What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. It has been a little while, but Sean and I have been busy boys. Today, I'm just going to say it. I feel like we talked every single sport that we talk. We talked NFL, we talked MLB, NBA, golf, and we obviously talked college basketball. So enjoy the pod. We'll be back later in the weekend for a preview pod. And have a good one, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. to catch up on we are in kind of that sweet spot of the sports calendar how you doing my friend oh what a time to be alive man what a time to be alive i know there's a lot going on in the real world that is pretty shitty right now between the rise of inflation and the fed raising interest rates and my stock my my, i just decided to start doing stocks again this year and they're taking a quite a fucking dip um and obviously what's going on overseas but, you know, the one thing I'm pissed off about today, Sean, and I didn't even say it to you on the pod, you text me and you say, let's do the pod at 5.30. So I get home. No big deal. I'm home already. This Obviously, I'm not actually mad about this. I said but, 5.30 my time, if you can read, but... Did you say your time? I sure did. Or did you just say, I just saw the time? Are you okay, sure? Okay, reread the, re-read the text. You're 100% positive. Oh, God damn yep. it. Never mind, everybody. Never mind. Oh! Never mind. Listen. Yeah. Listen. As CEO of this podcast, it should run off my time. Not to mention, not to mention, you left me. I didn't leave you. You left me to go find yourself in Texas. So you should be accommodating to my time. I shouldn't have to think. No, I think that having now been here... 16 months that you it's very a easy you can read one uh 6 30 your time is not an unreasonable request no but no also, no it's not about the time it's, it's just like i want difference. you i want you to take the extra time to subtract or excuse me in your case add the hour no so basically what you're saying is is that instead of phrasing it my time you yes. want me to phrase it your time uh-huh Okay, so if I said 6.30 your time, that would be better for you. I, I would like that better. I, I think that's gonna we're going to have to get the secretary to put that in writing as CEO, that you have the, to the talk. Secretary, the secretary can do what he wants, but I want the You know, the, the secretary is going to do the secretary is going to do what he's told, and that's a mandate that because the secretary also lives on the East Coast, so you're doing it in Eastern Standard Time from now on. We don't care about Texas. We're New Yorkers. Well, I guess we're Connecticuters, but you know what I mean. I don't really understand the hostility. If you could have just read the text and processed <laughs> the one hour, no. you would have been fine. No hostility. Hey. Listen, it's not like I, I got anything to do tonight. Michaela's at work. It was just I was under the impression it was 530, and it wasn't. And that's on me, but it's also on you because I expect thir- certain not. things of my subordinates. Yeah, well <laughs> – it's nice to know that uh, after not talking to you for a while, you've already talked down to me on a few occasions, <laughs> simply just to genuflect the fact that you can't 
choose you can't understand a one hour time zone. i miss you buddy but, i miss you I miss you. I miss you too. But, and you're coming uh, up to Jersey, and and you know you couldn't even get yourself a couple extra days to come up and record a pod or grab a grab a drink. I can't give myself any time because when I do get back there in the summer, I want to actually spend about five days up there. That'll so be good. That will be what I'm looking forward to, and it's in the fucking Jersey Shore, so it's, uh, it's, I'm not going to be anywhere close. To no, anybody. that's still like a good. Depending on where it is, it could be three hours away. Yeah, it's in like um, the Bayhead area. So, like, all right, I flying into Newark, which I've never done and don't really want to do, but here's that. Then taking the train to Bayhead, so like that'll just be a really fun time. Um, <laughs> knowing my luck, it'll be a freezing cold April uh, weekend, which is the ones I was trying to escape. So. <laughs> When I get up there in the summertime, uh, you and I will do a pod. We will have a beverage or two. Uh, we will spend plenty of quality time together, but that is not going to be the case uh, in two weeks. That's all right. I, I know you're a busy boy, and that's all right. I'd rather you be busy than not. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Let's talk a little sports. It's been a while. We can we can do our catching up at the end of the pod, see what's going on in the world of Sean. I know it's it's a very interesting world. Um, <laughs> let's... <laughs> I actually do have some breaking news you'll find interesting Ooh. about uh, about my uh, commitment to possibly possibly more uh, more viewing content. So wow, just live sports, yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, breaking news. Um, all right. Let's start with the tournament. We didn't really talk about the tournament. I don't even remember if we did our brackets, um, but we did pick our final fours on, and they were sent out on the at sorry sports Twitter account. Pretty much the only way you're going to be able to communicate with us is through the Twitter. So hit us on at sorry sports. Um, I, I know mine didn't go well. Um, how about yours? I got shellacked. I mean, even the first weekend, I was like, "This is this is horrible." But not to toot my own horn, I I made a pretty penny this tournament. Yeah, you were texting me. I was you hot. Sounded like you were doing quite well. Now that it's I'm all over, now that I rode the roller coaster and I rode it to the top and I crashed all the way down, um, <laughs> I I can admit that I was I was very hot. Um, but you know what? The reason, and I'll tell you, and I'll explain to you why I was hot and then why I wasn't, because every single bet that I made up until the national championship game was made with my head. All the overs, the unders, the underdogs I took, all that stuff. I know where this is going. Riding St. Pete, I made with my head, right? And then, of course, Kansas finds its way into the national championship game. You know who is an absolute Kansas fraud. We're going to have to keep him off the pod until something bad happens to him in his sports life um, because I just don't want to hear it, and maybe he'll forget about it. Will Smith is a Kansas fraud Jayhawks fan. Um, and I, I went completely against them. And I'll tell you what, I, I felt pretty good about it in the first half. Um, North Carolina comes out on an absolute heater. They're getting Kansas's big man, number 33, in foul trouble. Um, they're, uh, they must have led them by led North Carolina by 20 in offensive rebounds and in turnovers. They got everybody they could into foul trouble. And then in the second half, they came out and 
that that second half up 15 was the absolute de- definition. The Dixon dictionary dictionary blah. I can't Boy, speak. Boy, that was rough. Dictionary definition of playing not to lose instead of playing to win. They went completely against the game plan and it was it was abysmal. Well, you texted me that and yeah, it had to be quite the the swing of emotions for you. I mean, as somebody who was just looking for a good game and didn't really care who won. Oh, and by the way, I, I bet the uh, over as well, and that didn't go well. What was the over in that game? 155. I think they scored in the, the 72 plus 69. It's in the 140s. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what happens. You should have stuck with it, but I can understand. You, you're, you have, you're very close to, to the situation with Will, and – I want this to just be a reckoning for you and kind of a an understanding of where I'm at with my Bama fandom. I, I'm pretty sure you've never seen me post any videos. Will had or three Instagram like stories within within 24 hours. Tied with you know all this Bama gear on. It's none of that because I didn't go there. It's not my school. I like rooting for them. I I like when they win. I root for them to win. That's as far as it goes. Will, on the other hand, treats it like his Cowboys. And to me, that's wrong. So The Cowboys is fair. Is more fair. No, oh, yeah, of course. Listen, I'm. you know me. I, I think it's ridiculous some of the rules that you've placed on sports <laughs> fandom with your czar you know, standard. But listen, I people have the right to root for who they want to root for. But – and you find teams at certain points in your life, and sometimes you're passed down. You're not really given a choice, you know, with your fandom from your father or your friends or who's, who do you like to watch when you're growing up in those formative years. So, listen, if Will wants to tout his Cowboys, that's great because we know he'll be perpetually disappointed, which honestly was the rate at which Kansas had been going because outside of that miraculous comeback in 2008 against Memphis, who just completely was – unable to make a free throw reference are rewatchable from that a couple of years ago during the pandemic we did that game good job kansas has not done a good job getting into even the final four let alone a championship game and a real opportunity to win with these high seeds but i tell you what man this team was really good they're really fast and they they had they had carolina in a position where I think Carolina was feeling themselves just a little bit. Kansas came out tight. They weren't able to make shots. They got into foul trouble. Like you said, McCormick, you know, was caught. I think, um, what's his name? Uh, the center for North Carolina just did an unbelievable job. Baycott playing on that sprained ankle and, and giving them damn near 38 minutes. But at the end of the day, man, Kansas is like Bill self. I think having that one championship under his belt was able to look at his team and say, everybody's saying that this game's over now. And Carolina, I think, was just riding the high of that Duke win, which I think we obviously have to talk about. But they just completely came out gassed in the second half. And that 15-point lead evaporated as quickly as I've ever seen a lead of that magnitude, you know, dissipate in the finals. Absolutely. Um, And it was just – it was sloppy all around. Sloppy by North Carolina in the second half. Sloppy by the refs. Sloppy by the ball boys. You know I have a pending investigation against them. Two slips in the same spot (laughs) within a minute of each other. 
um, that really honestly made a huge difference in the game because if that center for North Carolina doesn't slip and he got hurt on that play, but if he doesn't slip and he's able to execute that drop step, that's probably two points there. And then if the redheaded, crazy-looking guy that used to be on Oklahoma – if he was able to make that, Brady Manic. yeah. If he was able to make that turn, maybe he hits a three and sends it into overtime on the Kansas bonehead play where the kid runs down the sidelines instead of just grabbing it and oh, shooting it free crazy. throws. Crazy! I couldn't believe that. I could not believe that he stepped out of bounds. And also, let's not forget Puff Johnson getting hit in the stomach and basically throwing up on the court. Like, yes, absolutely. That was a huge deal too because he gave them a a giant he, spark in the second half. Is he related to Cameron Johnson on the Phoenix Suns, it, former North Carolina yeah, player? He looks like. Yeah, him. he's Cam Johnson's younger brother. I figured so. Um, it, it was all in all a very disappointing second half. As you know, uh, gambling it was not great for me. I still ended up very heavily in the green, thankfully. And I had that big bet of North Carolina winning, what, 74-72, and it, it was it was getting close there for me. Um, and all in all, disappointing game. Um, and, and you want to know what the icing on the cake is? Is that that fucking kid, Remy Martin, from Arizona oh, State, yeah. who transferred, I don't know if he's a graduate transfer or whatever, hits like three threes that he had no business hitting. And he's fucked me over so many times when I bet against Arizona State back in the day. I remember specifically one against UCLA where he went off for like 26. And I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He's got an ugly shot. Hey, yeah, I don't care. It goes in the basket. Um, And, yeah, it was just – it was all in all. It was was a brutal, brutal game for me. Well, they needed him. They needed him because Abaji was – dreadful for Kansas, especially at the free throw line. He couldn't buy one. I mean, if they lost that game, the narrative not would probably not have been, oh, Bill Self can't win more than one championship. It would have been, my God, they just they pulled a Memphis from 2008 because they would have lost because of their abysmal free throw shooting. Um, and obviously North Carolina, the injuries too. Um, you know, that was just – it was a shame, but it don't worry that about Baycott it. Could give them as much as they could. Listen, I know I went to Duke a couple of weeks ago. I was on campus and everything, but uh, <laughs> North Carolina, I am, I am really pounding the pavement for this one. We may have to have that championship banner rescinded from from North from Kansas when I get to the bottom of this slipping issue. I know you were texting me. You were so heated. You're like, I think the. I think the ball boy's culpable. Whoever's the ta- doing the towel, what a terrible job. Yeah, yeah the there FBI needs to be a, a legitimate investigation. Yeah. I mean, they cleaned up the floor just fine on the other side when, when whatever that guy, Cam Johnson's little brother's throwing up on the floor. That was fine. Yeah, they got rid of that real fast. So you could... You weren't going down. I'm gonna there. have to get some uh, different angles. Maybe the guy's got a little water bottle <laughs> squirting out of his pocket or something. We're we're gonna have to get a look at that. I'm looking forward to hearing how this goes. Uh, with all the scandals in the NCAA, I'm sure this is going to be at the top of their list. Well, um, Kansas, Kansas is, may get some sanctions because they're the ones who are in trouble for the Adidas thing. That still oh, hasn't come down yet. So we might get nope. this banner pulled come hell or high water. Yeah, which would be so typical NCAA. Uh, before we go kind of backtracking through this tournament, uh, where do you put Bill Self now? He's got two championships He's been to three, I believe. Mm. Is this is he now kind of in that pantheon line of, of college head coaches, or are you not willing to put him there just yet? Uh, I, I think you got to put him above, you know, 
Thompson, um, and Calipari. I think you got to put him above him. I think you got to put him above Bayheim, and I think you got to put him above Izzo. But he's still behind Coach K and obviously John Wooden and Dean Smith. And probably even Roy Williams. And probably, yeah, probably Roy Williams as well, who won both with Kansas and North Carolina. So I think he's probably the number, what, five spot, six spot there? Yeah, you know, a sneaky name, and you can call me a homer for this, it's fine, but it's accurate, it's Jim Calhoun. He's got three. Oh, yes. Uh, you know what? That's not a homer pick at all. You're you're totally right, and he's ahead of him for sure. Uh, my apologies on that one. Uh, and he, he's, and, he's and definitely he went to him. four. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, you're absolutely right. I, I, I don't know why I always forget about Calhoun. Maybe because the women's program is just so um, dominant up there with Gino that Calhoun gets overlooked, but he, he definitely doesn't deserve it. No, and I think it's also, you know, he hasn't coached since, you know, his last year was, was the 2011 season when they won the championship with Kemba. And he had been there so long, but I don't think you And you got to give him – he won three. I think you have to give him four because that uh, that team that Ollie had was all his team, and Ollie didn't do jack shit post that. No, he didn't. Um, and another name, too, probably in the same breath as Bill Self is, is, um, is Jay Wright. Yeah, I mean, he's got two. That's another guy. I mean – that that's another guy. I think him and Bill Self are probably tied, right? Yeah, they've been to a decent amount of Final Fours too. Remember before Villanova won that championship in 2016 was, over he, North could Carolina? Could he get over the hump? Yeah, they they were always a really high seed, a one, two, or three that that flamed out before the Elite Eight. Villanova, uh, now, Villanova, listen to this one. Is Gonzaga now? Just Villanova. Can't get, Villanova. Gun, excuse me. Let me rephrase that. Gonzaga, right now, is Villanova. Of oh, is what Villanova was pre twenty sixteen, where it's yeah. like consummate one seed. They're getting they're getting some blue chippers. They have some a lot later history with John Stockton and and you know they had a uh, Villanova had won the championship back in what was it the eighties eighty five eighty five yeah. And then they, they, but they never got over the hump. And I, I think Gonzaga's coming as well. Well, they're, they're running out of time because to me, they were the biggest disappointment of this tournament. And I don't Them think as well as their best, apparent best player, Chet. Yeah, I thought Chet was okay. I, I, admittedly, I think that team, they're just. Because at least Villanova, they did play in what was the old Big East, which was just an absolute gauntlet. Uh, so they were absolutely, you know, conditioned to to go the distance. They just never could. And then in the new Big East, they've they've been very formidable, probably the class of that conference. And now even reintroducing UConn. Um, but Gonzaga, they just don't play anybody. And I know they they do a great job scheduling out-of-conference matchups against the better teams you they know, need in to November move into the in those tournaments. But, yeah, but that's the problem, man. After those preseason tournaments in November and December, they don't fucking play anybody. No. And you just can't get a good sense of how a team is going to respond to adversity because you look at a team like Carolina who got their absolute 
Dicks kicked in by Duke the first game. Wake Forest beat them by 20. North Carolina State beat them by 20. They've had some horrendous losses earlier this year. Virginia Tech knocked them out in the turn of, in the ACC tournament. But they had that resiliency, right, and knew how to take a punch, and they were able to go into Cameron Indoor and beat Coach K in his last game there and make this run. You saw Syracuse do it on a few occasions over the last couple of years, get there because they're playing that ACC schedule. Gonzaga just doesn't fucking play anybody. There's nope. no re- there's no way you think that you can just suit up and go play these teams. And once you get past the 16 seed or the 15 seed, if there are two, once you're going into the round of 32 and the Sweet 16, they don't. They're just not conditioned to deal with taking a punch or two. No, and and you see it every time. If they fall behind, they they have a lot of trouble crawling back. And I know what did they lose in the Sweet 16? Was it the Sweet 16 or was it the round of 32? It might have been the round of. Well, I know at least their first or second game. The only reason why they won was because. Uh, What's that guy's name? Is it Tilly? Oh, Timmy. Timmy was literally, he could just throw the ball at the basket and it went in. He went off for like 35 or 32 points. And that's the only reason why they won that game. And then the next game, obviously, he can't do, he can't repeat the exact same thing. And Chet gets into foul trouble and he gets absolutely bullied by, I believe it was Memphis, right? Yeah, it was Memphis. And, I mean, I like Memphis's big man a hell of a lot better than I like Holmgren. That's a grown man. It's, it's so hard because I don't know what position Holmgren's going to be in the pros. I know he's seven feet. Well, I mean, here's I, the thing. Here's the thing about Holmgren, okay? He's, he's very skilled. He's got very good instincts on the defensive end when it comes to help defense. He's not a good primary defender, but if a guy gets by his man, he's very good at adjusting to the ball and blocking the shot, but he's not a great primary defender given the lack of elite quickness as well as footwork, and he's a fucking baby. He's like 190 pounds at at 7 feet tall. And then on offense, I don't... If you're going to be in the NBA, I don't like a player that can't create space. The NBA the NBA is a spacing league and he cannot create his own space. He's he doesn't have an he doesn't have a quick first step. He doesn't have very good footwork and he plays small. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. Um I do think his basketball instincts are good. I think he has a pretty he has a pretty nice fluidity to him for being so. He's odd got he's got a very nice jumper. Standpoint. He's got great form, but it's just like, are you going to be able to get that off? Because it's slow, and he doesn't have the ability to create that extra second of space when it is slow. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, the tough part with evaluating him, and I'm happy I'm not an NBA scout who's going to be drafting in the top of the lottery because. He's he's got the talent where if you can get him in the weight room, get him bigger and stronger, maybe work on a few components of his game in two or three years, you're looking at a stud. Do you want to pass that up for somebody where you're you're saying, okay, I know the immediate returns. It could be it could be fifty fifty. Truthfully, whether he's really good or he's he's playing in the G League next year, I, I have no idea. We don't have to make that determination yet. But I agree with you. They were what a disappointment they were, and Holmgren definitely didn't show out. Tom, I think we got to give St. Peter's their due. I mean, the fifteen seed getting to the Elite Eight. This school, I truthfully had never heard of. 
and a little Jesuit school in Jersey City, New Jersey. You've got Holloway, the head coach, who had gone on a run with Seton Hall in 2000. Congrats to him now getting the gig at Seton Hall after um, after their head coach departed. And, dude, I got to tell you, like, this tournament was well-rounded from the Blue Bloods making the Final Four, and you've got these upsets and, and buzzer beaters and really great basketball. This team, this was just a fucking great story. Great story, and it wasn't one of those teams where it's like, how are they winning? They had fucking players on this team. They had really good athletes, two big men that had great footwork, and they could play both sides of the floor. And then they had a guy that got crazy hot in, uh, what's his name, Doug Edert or whatever Doug his name Edert, is. Doug yeah. And you know what? Shout out to him. Finally, a Mac team gets over the hump, and every year you think it's Iona, especially with you know their former head coach who – was the class of the Mac forever, and now they have Slick Rick Patino, and and it wasn't them who got over the hump. It was this random St. Pete's team. Yeah, definitely who you would, not who you would have picked. Well, every few years, every few years, there's always this Mac team where it's like, can they do it? Can you know? You had, you had. Iona's always very consistent. They make it to the tournament. You had that year with Scott Machado. I don't know if you remember. I think I was a senior in high school, 2012 or something, where they're up against Jimmer Fredette. They're up, they're up 10, 12 points at half, and they fail. And then you have the year where that Manhattan, uh, Manhattan College went to the mm-hmm. went to the tournament and they were a powerhouse and turns out that guy didn't have his degree their head coach so he couldn't move up uh to another program oh and then, shit that's right remember I that? About that story yeah he went to yeah. kentucky and he was like one credit short of his degree and i guess he lied on his resume by the way who the fuck cares about that everybody lies on their resume um and then, and then you had the the year or two with Monmouth, where they had that cra- the crazy bench running around and doing that shit, and they had a very good team. And then out of nowhere, this St. Pete's team, which didn't have a very good regular season, they just happened to get hot come conference tournament time. But they were built so well, like this guy absolutely deserves a job at Seton Hall, and I don't think that's his final stop. I think he's destined for bigger things. That'd be something because Seton Hall is a huge, huge job, and you could be very comfy there for a long time, particularly if it's your alma mater. But, yeah, man, I, you said it perfectly, and good job referencing those former MAC teams because it is a sneaky good conference when they get in. They, they know how to play basketball, and they get guys who, are, who play it from New York City and New Jersey. And it's a very competitive those are, those conference. Those are areas that know how to – that. Those players just know how to play the game of basketball, and you're right. The very the level of competition is very, very high. It's like a mini Big and East. Loved, yeah, and I loved how Holloway said, like, you know, when they asked, when the reporter asked him, like, are you scared or nervous about taking on a team? I think it was after the they won the round of 32 before the Sweet 16. He's like, I got a bunch of kids from New Jersey and New York City. You think they're scared of anything? And Those guys like, exactly. are dogs. Like, they're from, the they're from New York. They're not from Austin, Texas. These guys are dogs. Listen, man, I don't know why you got to throw shit at Austin, <laughs> Texas. But, uh, <laughs> but they are. I mean, there is there is, there is is a true thing, and it is funny trying to, like, talk to people down here, like, who I've met and that I'm friends with about, like, what it's like. Like, that, the New York City brand of basketball, the New Jersey brand of basketball, that's a hard style of basketball. Like, if you're making it out of there and you're playing division one college basketball, like you fucking earned it. There is an absolute, like there is a absolute 
grittiness, toughness, identity about that brand. So it's awesome to see. I give them so much credit. I'm so happy that they gave us part of that story because that led, and I'm glad they lost in the Elite Eight because as good as the story would have been that they were a Final Four team, we got Duke Carolina round three in the Final Four in an iconic game that hopefully there will not be another pandemic where in March we have to rewatch this game and talk about it. But, dude, this was an instant classic. It gave us everything. What did? What were your emotions like going through this game, watching this game? I thought it was honestly it was anybody's game literally with a minute left. Yeah, I, 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 had, I had Carolina winning, uh, not to toot my own horn. I just thought they were the better team on paper. And I like to, you know, I'm going to use your term here. Those guys from St. Pete's, I mean, you walk out the door and have you ever, you know, go to fucking Brooklyn, walk out the door, you're battle tested. I think these, That's right. I think these, the North Carolina team was, was much more, like you say, battle tested. Um, and Duke was a bunch of prissy bitches. Uh, just like Coach K makes him down there, complaining to the ref every two seconds. And that's eventually what lost in the game. They got down on themselves, and North Carolina never stopped, and they hit some big shots. Now, I will say, um, I think I'm going to pronounce his name right, Pablo Blanchero. Bancaro. Blanchero. Um, Bancaro. <laughs> There's no L. <laughs> I know, but I, I wanted to put a little spice on it. I think he'd like oh, that. I don't think he would. You're mispronouncing his name. I'll, I, respectfully, because I like his game, I'll call him Banchero. I think, in my opinion, just watching his game and how fluid he is, I think he should be the number one pick. I'm sorry. I don't think you have to be sorry. He, he had a great tournament to up that He's draft so down. good. Like, oh, my God, I'd kill for him. He's a great defender. He's got really good size. He's quick. He's strong. And he can shoot the fucking rock, man. Yeah, he can. He's an all-around really damn good player, and I can understand why in June, if he's the number one name uh, off the board. Uh, I love Jabari. I love everything about him. I guess you could say Auburn was a really big disappointment in the tournament, too. Well, you know, I... You know, I was rooting heavy for Auburn, and I think I picked him to win the title game, but that was that was a pick with my heart. That's right. You love your cheaters. But I, obviously the guards did them in, and they lost games this year because the guards are going to guard. That's college basketball. But, yeah, Bancaro's a stud, man. He really is, and he carried that team. Um, you know, A.J. Griffin was awesome, too, this tournament. I thought that those kids really did learn a lesson from playing – coach k's final game at cameron and losing to carolina because you can't be in a more pressure packed situation than that i mean the the level of expectation that's on you to win a regular season game already built into the north carolina rivalry and then to have it be shashevsky's final game at home and i think that just was a huge weight off their shoulders they learned from that they they really did breeze through the tournament. They looked like the the best team in the country. Yeah, but Carolina obviously wasn't afraid of them. And you look at Duke, and I don't think they played tight. I don't think they, I don't think they played a bad game. I think Carolina was just destined to get them again. And to me, man, this had a lot of feeling about like the Yankee Red Sox rivalry of 03 and 04, where. In the rivalry, which is the best, if not 
you know, second or third best in all of professional sports. It was the best, yes. Or not professional sports, but, you know, the American sports, I guess, um, North American sports. There, now it doesn't matter what Duke does. They could win a championship. They could go undefeated. They could beat North Carolina ten times in a row going forward in the next five years. North Carolina says we beat you in the final four. That's, that's bragging rights to the nth degree. Absolutely. I mean, listen, it's tough to say that when, you know, if the Red Sox in 04 beat the Yankees and then they go on to lose to the Cardinals, it's it's not it's not as good. Um, but they did still beat them in the Final Four. But you know what? Let me say before we move on to another sport, let me just say you keep saying all this Coach K's final game like it's, like it's definitive, like it's set in stone. I'd say not so fast, my friend. We don't know that. I'm putting him in the same category as Tom Brady. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, I'm saying it because he said it, and that's been the narrative. If he changes his mind, that's fine. He can do that. But as of now, that is his last game. It's going to be really nice to not have Coach K around anymore. I, I think that I love cheaters, but I don't like prissy sure. snakes. <laughs> Listen, you have your favorites. I can respect the way you look at that. Everybody can cheat if you're good at it, which is why I don't he's know. He's great at it, and I respect the man for it, but him. I don't like him. No, he's – and if you – I didn't read his book that Ian O'Connor wrote, but I've heard interviews with Ian O'Connor talk about, you know, some of the stories of Krzyzewski and J.J. Redick. I was on his podcast, talked about some stories. I'm like, this guy's a fucking asshole. And obviously not giving the job to Tommy Amaker and making John Shire his, you know, his successor. Like, I, I think that's really shitty. Um, so goodbye, Coach K. We'll see if you're right, Tom. We'll see if he comes back. I wouldn't be shocked if he does. Jay Wright was right the one now, who originally done. said it, former Duke great. So, yeah. Well, we will we will wait and see. I'm not, I'm not ready to close the book on Coach K. But listen – all my all my fucking dislike for him aside, hell of a career. Second greatest coach, possibly the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Although yeah, show, you put show a little respect to everybody and only coach Team USA once. Like, <laughs> who do you think you are? Yeah, I know. That is that is still weird. Um, yeah, you put him with Wooden and you put him with Dean Smith and you put him with Bobby Knight. Absolutely. No doubt That's in my mind. Cool. I think you put him ahead of everybody but Wooden. Okay. Yep. Really? I mean, Put, honestly, there's your, there's your Mount Rushmore though. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. All right. You ready to move on to something else? Tom, I'm putting golf number two. I couldn't, I could today. not believe when, when you had that up there. Um, listen, like you said, this is like with, with the, with March madness, the masters, NBA playoffs coming up. I think in my personal opinion, the lockout, wasn't the best thing for the MLB, but when it comes to the dates of be, of times, the MLB starting tonight couldn't be any better. You got NFL coming up. This is it doesn't get much better than this. No, it's fucking awesome. And I'm going to tell you why. I'll give you my spiel on why I put the Masters second on our priority list. You're the golf guy of the pod. You're the one everybody wants to hear from. But as the non-golf guy, as more just the super casual sports fan as far as it pertains to the PGA, Tom, we're, we're, we're watching what could be one of the greatest sports stories of all time. I mean, oh, listen, yeah. t- what Tiger Woods already is to the sport of golf, it, it's already 
you know, it's Babe Ruthian, it's Michael Jordan, it's Wayne Gretzky, it's Brady, it's all those things, right? But the fact that this man, 17 months ago, 16 months ago, whatever it was, almost lost his leg in a car accident. We weren't sure if he was going to be able to walk again. His entire right leg is reconstructed, basically down to the nub. He is playing at the most important, prestigious, and just, you know, landmark event that the PGA has. Not to mention one of the toughest courses on earth. And one of the toughest courses. And he's... He, he, a lot of people are saying he is, he legitimately can win. This already, with him playing today and shooting a minus one, is an amazing sports story that could be up for you know one of the best of the year if nothing else happens. If well, he wins this fucking thing, oh, greatest oh my God. of all time. I mean, we thought 2019 was a big deal. I mean, Jesus Christ. And and listen, I I watched. Hopefully, nobody from work listens to this pod. Um, but, or just this specific pod, they can listen to other ones. I watched a lot of golf today. Listen, getting Hulu plus was or Hulu, whatever live sports was one of the best decisions of my life. Cause it comes with ESPN plus I got to watch almost every single shot of tigers and it's just unbelievable because listen, a couple of his chips, he looked rusty, but the game is dialed, and he can absolutely go out there and win this thing. To be honest, and he'll probably say it in his press conference, I think he left two or three birdies out there on the course. Yeah, so he shot a 71 today, right? Yes, he shot a 71, one under, a par 72. And he, listen, if there's a course he's going to win on, it's this one. He knows every break. He knows every spot to hit the ball, and he proved it today. There was a there was at least two chips that he hit that I think were just due to due to rust straight up like and and I don't think that'll happen over the next three rounds and he had that look in his eye he looked dialed in um, and the ball speed was getting up there he was out driving um, he wasn't really out driving Joaquin Neiman but he was out driving Louis who stays in a lot of the time. And a couple of bad shots, but the recovery shots were miraculous, as you expect from Tiger. You see him hitting crazy shots out of the pine straw all the time on, you know, the highlight pages and whatnot, and those were back. It's just, I'm giddy. I really am. I can hear it in your voice, and and truthfully, I think everybody should be. And I've spent a lot of time this week listening to podcasts, listening to professional journalists and people who cover golf and people who just are avid sports fans discuss tiger. And why is this such a big deal? How can he bring in the casual fan like this? And even after all his transgressions and all his missteps and how he was ice cold, frigid to people for years. And it's, he has an aura about him and his story is that, you know, it's very American. It's we love to build you up. We love to tear you down. But damn, do we love a good comeback story? And Absolutely. that's what he is. And he's been that his entire career through the peaks and valleys. And the younger generation of golfers on the tour just fucking love him, love him. And I think because it's a singular sport, 
it's not team. You don't root for the laundry, as the saying goes. You just root for player. I mean, as a player in the arena for his sport or her sport, how can you not just gravitate to every single time he grips a golf club and hits a golf ball? There's no way you can't. If he wins, it's the greatest sports story of any recent memory, even more than Brady winning in Tampa his first year, anything. No doubt about it, man. And I listen, there's a million reasons why we love Tiger so much, but the guy was just – I mean, you talk about Bill Russell dominating, but that's a team sport. You talk about MJ dominating, but that's a team sport. I mean, this guy, the gap was so from, – from when he won the Masters in, I believe it was 1998, something like that. Seven, 97. 97 when he also broke the scoring record, by the way, at 21 years old through – I guess 29, probably, probably 2007, 2008, but you can even tell me up until 2019, just before this accident, he was, he was in a class of his own that, that is just, it, you can't even like light years away from the second best player. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's so much talk about it's Tiger and Phil and Phil's had an illustrious, great career and he's very, he has a huge you know fan base and, and support system. Oh, no, fuck Phil. Phil, Phil, Phil lost it all. I, I know that's how you feel and that's where he's at now, but no, I agree with you. You're the same as tiger. He, but they lump him in with tiger because they've played so often together and have competed at majors, but tiger's in a different stratosphere. You're right. Yeah. And Phil Phil's in more hot water than any athlete that didn't commit a legitimate serious crime that I've really ever seen and it's gone from zero to a hundred really fast like can he... i ask you a question go ahead you you might know this let's just say tiger didn't play this tournament because obviously even if tiger even if phil was playing tiger would be the story and nobody would care mm-hmm. but if tiger didn't play this tournament and if you just had your regular you know you had every you had bryson and and you know everybody up down the line brooks would people really would people be upset that Phil isn't here? Would we be talking about Phil not being here? Would that be a major storyline at Augusta or would people kind of just brush it under the rug? No, I think they'd brush it under the rug, honestly. I think I think Phil is um I mean, I don't know. Persona man. non grata right now? Yeah, I think I think the less Phil's talked about right now the better for him, I think. I mean, he really he he really fucked up and whoever wrote that book about him really really does not like him um and i am excited to get it when it comes out and read it if it's not out already um he's he's in bad when it comes to a when it comes to a public image place he's he's in really really bad shape oh i know and it might have been one of those deals where the 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 perception is that he would have been invited to play at Augusta and that people would have welcomed him and the club would have welcomed him. That's what they want out there. But I think it could have been very under the table. Like, Hey, just don't, don't ask to come where we can't have you. We need a break. Yeah. And I think I don't know, obviously whether or not he wanted to come, but I think that he somehow it was said either from him or the other side, just don't show up. Yep. Yeah, for sure. It's it's pretty crazy that no one's talking about him. 
just given what he's meant for the game. Obviously, you know, when you get in that deep shit, it's it's hard to climb out of it. We'll see how long it takes, if it takes it at all. But, Tom, at the leaderboard right now, minus five is leading uh, the club. So we've got Tiger at minus one. I know we're doing this as round one is kind of wrap, er, wrapping up, but how, how do you feel going into this tournament? I know you like to give your foursome. So kind of break down this, this tournament, the, what the field looks like, and, and who you have you know, in contention to, to win the green, on, uh, the green on Sunday. Well, lucky for us, I entered at – I just don't want people thinking I didn't do it. Uh, I have the timestamp to prove it if anybody needs it. At 7.39 yesterday – I entered a foursome in a master's pool that my uncle is running. Um, so I already have my foursome locked in, and I have some bets placed as well. And my foursome reads as such. I have, Sean, can you guess who one of them is? Who's that? You must be able to guess, bro. That's my guy, Tony Finau, in my foursome. Ah, Tony. I've just guessed him so many times <laughs> that I was trying to hopefully get a new, new one out of you. Tony Finau, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and my pick to win it, and I have, I know you shouldn't bet winners, but I have a decent amount put on it, Cameron Smith. Cameron Smith, okay. Cameron Smith, and he is, I believe, in second place right now with yeah, a he is. Minus, minus four. four. Yes. Um, he started off bogey, double bogey, ended double bogey. But aside from that, he played an absolute perfect round. I think this guy's got a good, as good a chance as anybody to win. Very recent winner of the Players Championship in extremely tough conditions. Uh, probably the best outside of Tiger if he's dialed in at 100%. Probably the best short game player in the world right now. I think he has a huge chance to win this tournament. And... Honestly, between you and I, minus four might be his his high round of the week. Wow. Yep. And I had him pick before he went out there and shot a minus four today, so I'm feeling pretty good about that one. Um, I got Tony Finau. I don't know where he is ranked. I think he was plus one on the day. So he's definitely still involved. More cows around the leaderboard as well, and I have no idea where JT is. Did he fucking like withdraw from the tournament? Yeah, I'm not seeing him up here. I a name that I was looking at, you know, just was was Scheffler. He's oh. a minus three. Yeah, I mean, listen, Scotty Scheffler is newly minted after his win last week the world number one the guy doesn't take the guy does not really make mistakes on the golf course he hits the shit out of the ball he's a very very good putter he can make up for the few mistakes that he makes with his putter and not to mention he's all-time hot right now he had i believe he had zero wins on the pga tour before 2022 began and he has three now and he's known for his putting, right? Like Absolutely, that's, yeah. That's he's a god. He's yeah. a steady putter, um, and he's he's very even keeled. And another guy I like, if you I'll, I'll, you know you have your guy in there, Scotty Scheffler. I like that pick out of you is Joaquin Neiman. He looked incredible today. And Justin okay. Thomas, by the way, is t seventy plus four, so he's got to have a massive day too. What's the cut? Do you think? Hmm. That's a good question. 
I think the okay. cut's gonna be. I think the cut's gonna be. You know what? I, I like to set the cut at whatever somebody in the top ten shot today. So I'm gonna go with minus two. Okay. That's what I'm putting the cut at. Oh, that's um, what I'll be looking for tomorrow. So your pick. This is the first time in sorry sports history. Uh, yep. Sean Rowe is making a pick with Scotty Scheffler. You got anybody else to throw in there? I mean, you obviously always look at the main the main guys like like Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know. He's Brooks, he's in my favorites. foursome. You know my foursome: Brooks, Homa, yep. Finau, and Rom. I mean, that's my guy. You've dropped you've dropped this guy's name on several occasions, so his name pops up to me when I'm looking at the leaderboard. Is Patrick Cantlay? Yeah, I mean Cantlay. Two right now. Yes, Cantlay. Cantlay entered the clubhouse uh, shooting minus two. Or wait, excuse me, he's on the seventeenth hole, so he may have the opportunity to go even lower. And he finished off very well at the end of the season last year, winning the FedEx Cup, winning a couple tourneys. Um, I believe he does not have a major yet, so it'll be interesting to see if he's he's been around a little bit longer than some of these younger guys. It'll be interesting to see if he can get over the hump with that major. He played very well at the Ryder Cup for Team USA as well, so that'll be interesting. You got anybody else? I mean, Will Zalatoris, obviously, the story of last year's Masters outside of Matsuyama, who won it, um, is minus two again. Uh, another young guy who seems to play Augusta very well. I would say those two are my main guys out obviously outside of, you know, Tigers, the main draw. Yes. Listen, I I said it to my friends. I have the bet already placed in. I didn't think Tiger was going to do, I didn't think Tiger was going to be as dialed as he was, but I thought this guy could, could make the cut if he did lose his leg. So I thought he was going to make the cut, (laughs) but I I didn't think he was going to do that. And I think he has a legitimate chance to win. We're going to have to see, they're going to place the pins in tougher spots on certain holes tomorrow. We're going to have to see how he plays tomorrow. And then I'll really be able to determine it. uh, In my opinion, whether or not he can win it after tomorrow. Um, But I'm, I'm glad you're getting on the board with two picks. You got Cantlay and Scheffler. Um, yep. I, I really, I like those picks. I, I think they definitely have an opportunity to win. Um, and by the way, those were names that I was thinking about even before they teed off today. Like when I'm, when I'm watching it and I turn it on or, you know, I see the leaderboard for the first time, there are certain names that I'm always kind of like eyeball eyeballing and, and looking at where they're at in standings. And just with listening to you talk golf and, you know, admittedly, I listen to shows that do a lot of golf and, those are two names that I've just kind of you know gravitated to outside of obviously Brooks and uh, and JT. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. JT has to JT probably to make the cut if it's at two under. For him to be comfortable, he's going to have to go really low tomorrow. Like the Masters is one of those tournaments where if you have a bad Thursday, you you have to play the round of your life on Friday. Also, I do. When it comes to the Masters, I don't necessarily care too much about the other tournaments, but just when, you know, Bryson infamously said that that Augusta was a six a par sixty eight mm-hmm. uh, before the November Masters in twenty twenty, and how much of an epic, you know, epic fail he had in that tournament. Then obviously a quick turnaround into last year's in April. Uh, watching him fail at Augusta is great because you just don't say that about that course. No, you got to respect the course, and your boy Bryson is tied with Justin My Thomas boy. and a bunch of others at plus four. Um, 
I'll give I'll cut Bryson a little slack. I I don't think he's ready to come back from that injury. I just think if no. you're invited to Augusta, you kind of you kind of play it. Um, you do, yeah. And then the last guy, we obviously two more guys we got to keep an eye on. Okay, three, three, fine. I got three more for you. <laughs> uh, just to keep an eye on is obviously Rory. Uh, he's starting to streak up the the leaderboard. He's at even par. Um, Dustin Johnson, who does have himself a green jacket, he's comfortably, I believe, in the top ten. Or did he fall out? Jesus, where the fuck is he? Oh no, he's he's tied for third right now at minus three. And then somebody that right now I believe he's on hole sixteen at plus one, but he's got two green jackets to his name. Uh, he's a guy who I could see end of the day at even par, getting getting a stroke back on on the last three holes is Jordan Spieth. Mm. Yeah, I mean he's a guy who talk about comfortable at Augusta. He's definitely comfortable here. But that's enough well, that's golf. That's interesting because you said he's uh you said people from Austin are soft, and I believe he's a UT grad. So. Mm, yeah. I, well, uh, listen, he's a good golfer. That doesn't make him a hard human being, you know. <laughs> Welcome hey, on the pod. Welcome on the pod. If he's not succumbing to the pressure of uh, of the Masters on Sunday, that's that takes some fortitude right there. That's very true. I mean, a broken clock is is still right twice a day. You know, you're gonna get some you're gonna get some good guys out of Austin. You'll get them out of anywhere. That's really not nice. Um, <laughs> okay, so enough golf, but we had to give it its due. This is gonna be a fascinating weekend. Your boy is going to be watching a good amount of golf uh, this weekend when I can. Um, I'll be going to a UT baseball game tomorrow night. So hopefully get the weekend to just watch a good amount, especially if Tiger's in contention, my dear God, like you would not be able to pry me away from the TV. Um, moving into the NBA. Time, Are we going to have to start talking college baseball? Hopefully not. Right? No, God, no. It's more, <laughs> it's just fun to, it's just unless fun you to see go. somebody that They're you're good, like, dude, this guy's going to be the number one overall pick. I mean, you could bring them up. Well, they, no, I'm not going to do that. I mean, listen, college baseball is a lot of fun. It is. It Texas is. Being, Texas is. Maybe you know what you should do. You're a little baseball. closer. You should go to Omaha one of these years. I would love to do that. I uh, hear that's a lot I of fun. To do that. I have heard it's a blast. I went to one of the qualifying games last year. UT hosted a playoff game before they went and uh, headed over to Omaha uh, for the College World Series, and that was a blast. So being in a city where, like, the baseball team's really good and, you know, it's it's got a good, rich history, too, is is a lot of fun to just go to a game, you know, a couple times a year. But um, the NBA, we're in the last week of the regular season, and amazingly, there's still so much that we need to figure out. Um, so let's check in on the standings. Absolutely. One thing we do there's... know for sure, Tom, is that the Lakers are Fuck not you. In. Fuck you, bro. I was about to make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is something we know for sure. The Lakers will not be playing any more important games this year. They are officially eliminated at currently at 31 and 48. Let me ask you this. You're famous for being on the pod after they lost in the bubble game one to Portland saying if they lost that game. Uh, or that if they lost that oh, LeBron's series, rather, legacy. that LeBron's, yeah, LeBron's <laughs> legacy is is tainted, and they ended up winning the championship. Tom, this to me is one of the biggest disappointments in and recent NBA history. Where does this kind of not rank for you, but where does this kind of just go for you in recent memory? Because this really is, I mean, this is a clusterfuck. 
I mean, yeah, it's it's got to be right up there with all those Clippers years where they suck, but I think this one's even bigger because you have arguably... But at least they made playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point, and I think you have arguably the second greatest player of all time, and it's funny. I mean, I know the first year he was on the Lakers, um, they they had a lot of young guys that he didn't want there, and it wasn't a very good team, but this is, what, the second time in four years that he's packed it in early? Did MJ ever pack it in early? I mean, listen, you can go back and forth with these arguments because you can say, well, MJ retired twice and took a year off, right? Or a year and a half off. So, and and LeBron didn't do that, but MJ never packed it in like this. And I don't count the Wizards years, by the way, or years. No, no. Um, I think it's hard to get into that because his the one thing, no matter whether you're a LeBron stan or a LeBron hater or somewhere in the middle, the thing you can't question is his longevity and his ability to play at an unbelievably high level for so long. And he's probably going to win the score or get the all time leading scorer record. He might win the scoring title year. this year, by the way. And he might win scoring title this year. Um, although MB dropped 45 the other night. So that might be hard, but th- the point is, is this was year 19 for him. And it might be, it might've been one of his five best statistical seasons ever. But what you're starting to see now is he's not able to will his teams to victory and he's not able to make up for teams dysfunctions kind of like that last Cavs year in 2018. But you look at this Lakers run, you know, the first year, like you referenced, missed playoffs, packed it in early. Second year, obviously the crazy bubble year. They ended up winning the championship. I'm not going to take anything away from that. The further removed we are from that, I think the more we hear about how difficult that was, I'm going to give him his due when they won that championship. Last year, they, they get out of the play-in and get spanked by the Suns. I know AD got hurt, but that story is recurring. And now this year, they're missing the playoffs. Absolutely. And uh... – I mean, you got to call LeBron's Lakers run a success because he got himself a ring, and I think you and I would both take that run as Knicks and Nets fans because the ring is on the finger, right? And you can't take that For away. Sure. But, I mean, the talk about the cupboard being bare. The trade for Anthony Davis alone, I guess you do it over because they won a title, but aside from every other year, the Pelicans are going to have a pretty good fucking pick this year, not to mention they're in the playoffs and the Lakers aren't. And then the Westbrook trade, do we even have to talk about that? Is it even worth saying that that was a failure? It was one of the worst moves in the history of the NBA. You know, it's it's funny. We have really shit on it all year. Everybody's had a field day because I have never liked Russ. I thought his MVP year was just ridiculous why anybody would award that is triple doubles don't mean shit. Those stats are as hollow as, as anybody. We just see constantly great players try to not play with him. So the fact that LeBron vetoed a trade that would have gotten them buddy healed would have kept them in position to go make a run at DeMar DeRozan. How many weeks do you give it? How many weeks do you give it until the article comes out that LeBron actually wasn't really for the Westbrook trade that the Lakers did it. The Lakers did it uh, without his full approval or some, however they're going to word it. Should I write it? I think you should write it. Should I get out Um, ahead of it? (laughs) I think you should because clutch is going to maybe beat you to the punch there. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he obviously 
has a lot of say in what goes on in that organization. And you go back to the AD trade. I mean, the fact that AD was not going to be traded to literally any other team and you had to give up that much for him. Yeah, I mean, that's... That's that in the Knicks mellow trade are two of the are two of the worst. I mean, listen, at least as the Lakers, as I said earlier, you can say that they got a ring out of it. But you're literally bidding against no one. And right. And somehow you let David Griffin and the Knicks let who was it? Masai Jerry. At the time was the GM. Might I believe. have been. Was he was he in Denver at the time? You, you yes. Might be right. Yes. Yeah. They let them they let them bid them up for nothing when it's when both of them could have walked and made their way over there for free. It's it's absolutely absurd the amount that they gave up and it's gonna it bit the Knicks in the ass for about five years and it's gonna bite the Lakers in the ass for probably even longer because I think well, the next first round draft pick they have is in 2027, which is five yeah, fucking years away. No, you're right about that. I am going to push back on you just a little bit about your comps there. Um, the whole talk with Melo was that he also would have been fine going to the Nets, and the Nets were also trying to trade for him. So the Knicks had to ratchet up their offer to Denver. Um, and the second one being that AD had absolutely said he was going to the Lakers. True. But the, the, the Pelicans could have held him hostage. And his timeline didn't line up with LeBron's because LeBron at that time, remember, had already spent his first year in L.A. So they had to they had to act on that fast. And that's why New Orleans was able to recoup all the assets that they got uh, from from L.A. Well, I mean, listen, regardless, I, I think if the guy says he wants to go to the Lakers and nowhere else, I mean, your feet are being held to the fire for what? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just no, it's, right, it's legit unbelievable. Yeah, it is. And you're right. The, them getting him is not the problem. But when you look back and you say, I don't think you had to give up all of that to get a diminished asset, which is what a disgruntled all-star player is. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, so where does this leave the Lakers, I think, is more of an off-season question. But there's really not much they could do. Are you buying any of what went in? what came out today about the Charlotte Hornets being a potential dark horse in the Russell uh, Westbrook trade situation. No. Why? Why would you why? you have one of the most exciting young players in the league that plays a position where he needs the ball in his hand and he actually makes people better with the ball in his hand. Why would you take the antithesis of that and put it on the team? I couldn't believe it when I saw it because of the reason that you just laid out. I doesn't make sense. And now we've obviously seen, you know, it is weird. It, last year, Russ, for all his shortcomings, really did will the Wizards there in the second half of the year. To no, the he absolutely did. But that's, that's Russ. That's Russ's ceiling. He's a guy where when he's the best player on the team, and I think we can all admit that Bradley Beal isn't as good as we thought he was two, three years ago. When he was the best player on the OKC Thunder and and the show was his, he's going to get you to to your, you know, 42 to 47 wins and your 6 to 8 seed and then he's going to lose in the first round, but he's going to put up a shit ton of sexy numbers that that mean absolutely nothing, just like he did with the Wizards, and that's going to be fine. But when it actually comes to a playoff contending team that needs to play as a team, the, the, this is what you're going to get. 
Well, this is why people need to listen to us on our podcast and why you and I do this because I, I cannot fucking stand the people that just show numbers and throw numbers in our faces and expect that to be like their claim to victory in an argument. When I'm like, you're not watching the fucking exactly. game. Have when you people seen throw... how many times the Lakers that Russell Westbrook is not only a liability on defense, Tom, he doesn't know what he's doing more than half the time on defense. And then he'll go get a rebound because they got lucky that somebody missed a shot and he'll push his own teammates out of the way to get it. Like, this is not – he has never played a winning brand of basketball, and he took what was considered a holy stat in the triple-double as recently as, you know, 10 years ago, being, wow, that's a real testament to somebody's ability to play the game and facilitate and rebound and command the offense and score. And he's completely made it now where it's like, oh, triple-double. Huh, that's, that's fun. What, well, Russ did Well, it. I mean, the stat heads – I like to look at stats like this. Stats are supplements, right? But sure. if you don't have a good diet, which is <laughs> watching the games, you can drink all the fucking protein and take all the creatine you want, but they're supplements. They're supplemental. They're used to support arguments, not to make them. That was amazing. Thank you. Oh, man, I'm hot today. Oh, shit. I think, you know, you might be the Kyrie of podcasts if you do one podcast every two or three weeks you're you're putting up 60 yeah yeah if only but i i also like to think i'm pretty good on the week to week too no you are you are i'm just giving you shit but um (laughs) that was really that was a great that's that's it for the stat heads out there i just put them in a fucking coffin and I love I love stats. I think stats are great. Baseball, you know, you feel a little more historic with the stats, even though they've been kind of muffed up over the last couple years and whatever, over the last twenty five years. But I mean, for you to just do like when people go, oh, blind resume test. Well, fuck your blind resume. I need to watch the yeah. games and see who's making more of a winning impact. You know, it's it's truthfully what makes you educated about those stats what you're talking about because you can make stats dance you can make numbers dance it's not that hard to compile stats within a window that makes you more you know like that makes you feel a little bit more confident in the argument that you're bringing to the table it's it's not that hard to do honestly because numbers are at everybody's disposal at any given time and you can reference any point in time and use those but watching the game you know you you watch a guy like durant and Irving, even in some of his games, you know they're they're scoring fifty points, Tom, on like seventeen shots. Yeah, they're doing it, and I mean the way the Nets play when it's all going well for them is such a beautiful brand of basketball. And, and you watch these Philly games now with Harden being there about two months now. You know he's still getting his assists. He's getting thirteen, fourteen assists a game, and he seems to be playing well with Embiid. And you know we'll break down Philly probably more next week when when the playoffs are set Tom Mm -hmm. but you watch Harden and I even felt this way this year in Brooklyn and obviously I wanted them to keep him if all things broke right I thought the three-headed monster of Durant Irving and, and Harden could be something special but he's not the same player that he was and you watch him on defense he doesn't even try he's a turnstile and he picks and chooses his spots and he'll work the ball you know, dribble it for 18, 19 seconds and then fire it into Embiid for, to make a hook shot or, mm-hmm. you know, one of his crazy and ones. And that's an assist for Harden. And you look yeah. up and be, wow, that's 13, 14 assists. 
But they're not great basketball players. No, and he's he, a great he doesn't. Passer, don't get me wrong, but he is. But he's not playing within the flow of the game like how he used to. Listen, in Houston, good, he did everything he could. And it, right now, Harden reminds me of a hitter that when you step in the box, you decide you decide when you're going to swing before the ball leaves the pitcher's hand. He's not reacting to the situation. He's deciding before the ball's even inbounded to the Sixers, I'm going to pass on this game, I'm going to pass on this possession, or I'm going to shoot on this possession. And you can see it quite obviously, and that's not very hard to defend, just like it's not very hard to pitch to somebody who decides that they're going to swing before the pitch is even thrown. Exactly. And, and you're also looking at it from a standpoint of, okay, well, if I want to get my assists up, you know, what else am I bringing to the table? Again, what are you, what are you watching? Are you watching minutes where he's really dictating you said the phrase perfectly the flow of the game and so often he's not anymore and that's all he did no the, the, and for it's as just, ugly as the brand of basketball that was tom he did that he's not doing that now no now now it's just he's just a ball stopper he's he's a he's a better version of russ in the sense that he can actually hmm. make his free throws and and make three pointers you know what i mean it's interesting no, that it's true. Yeah, I I don't know, and and obviously they're diminished by giving up that shooting that Curry gave them. Oh, no doubt about it, and they're also diminished because DeAndre Jordan has to play backup center when uh, your boy Andre Drummond actually did a halfway decent job. Yeah, that's you know. At for, least he could for, grab fucking rebounds. Exactly, and, and for as bad as the situation is with Simmons right now, the Nets might have won the trade simply because they took two very valuable assets that Philly needed on this run. I mean, I don't know. Do you think they had to give up Drummond? No, I I, I don't. I I think think that your GM, Sean Marks, right? Mm -hmm. I think he asked for him, and in the back of his mind, he just said, all right, well, if I don't get get Drummond, I'll just sign DeAndre. That's how I yeah. feel. It was like whoever whoever didn't have Drummond by the time the transaction was done was going to have DeAndre. Yeah, because the Lakers bought him out. Like, yeah, right it's it's line. the Sixers got the shit under the stick on that one, and they should have they should have said no. You know we can't do that. But they, apparently Daryl really fucking wanted Harden, and I think he's at this point. I think he is a diminished player, or he's hurt, or or something because. He can't blow up three teams in a row. I think he's giving it his all. Maybe he's trying to get into the flow. Maybe he, him and Doc are trying to get onto the same page, but Doc's out here fucking – somebody asked him a question about the bench a couple days ago, and he went out of his way. He pulled a fucking U-turn from the right lane on a three-lane highway to throw <laughs> James Harden under the bus. So I don't think things are all fucking roses and lollipops in Philly. No, and you can't coach Harden because eventually it becomes how many coaches are bad coaches. Like mm-hmm. D'Antoni was the best for him, and how many organizations are just let bad? Him... Right, right. Well, the the at this point, this off season, you know, Philly's going to commit to him, and they're going to give him damn near half a billion dollars over the next five, six for, years. It's so interesting because for Daryl Morey, a guy who is a big analytic, analytics guy, but he also is a smart basketball mind and he probably watches a shit ton of basketball, everything's been so black and white with him and cut and dry and this is a good decision, this is a bad one, I'm going to make the good decision. It's like James Harden is just his his beer goggles. Yep. That's who he hitched his wagon to for all those years. And, you know, it's... <laughs> it, when, when you think about it, 
and you have nothing but great memories, even though a lot of those memories involved some heartbreaking losses and some games that really should have been wins and probably a better stint than it actually was. You think of the 2015 when they had that great comeback against the Clippers and he was on the bench while Josh Smith and fucking Corey Brewer led the comeback. And, <laughs> yep. you know, you think of him being part of the team that shot O of 27 from three in 2018 against the Warriors, who looked like they were dead and buried. His it's- best playoff moment as a Houston Rocket was in the first round in the bubble when he had that block to prevent, like, a game seven or something. Yeah. That was his, that was his best moment. Um, and that's, you know... His his best career playoff moments were in the 2012 playoffs when he was coming off the bench for the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. And he's a great player. And for a lot of those years, Tom, you know, you and I doing the pod, starting the pod, talking NBA, NBA playoffs. We hated the brand of basketball Houston played and hated it with Harden. But let's be honest, looking back, that was the brand they had to play in order for them to be great. I mean, absolutely. And it's so. Aside from Chris Paul, I mean, if you want to call Dwight Howard a Hall of Famer, fine. But he never you really... You have to. Yeah, you have to. But that wasn't the Dwight Howard of the Orlando Magic days. And But you have to say that he never really played with another player aside from Chris Paul that could really do anything themselves without the, you know with the ball in their hands and and that was just their best option well and his his style of play is so hard to fit with that's why it was i mean so look at chris paul now since he left now well chris paul is a point guard and harden thinks he's the point guard and honestly harden's a great point guard you know he's he's an elite passer having getting to watch him almost every night with my team for a year he absolutely is an elite passer when he wants to be Right, but he also has – he is going to be an elite passer, but everybody else has to fit their level. So, like, I need two or three shooters around me. I need a big man that I can send the alley-oops to. Like, that's when he's at his best. If, the, if he doesn't have personnel that fits him, those passes like, – like, I think you said it perfectly. He becomes a better Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just a Westbrook that, that can shoot – 37% from three and 90% from the free throw line, which is still and a pretty good player, numbers. but yes, not a top five guy. And all his numbers have gone down this year. Yeah, he's uh, he's a diminished player. He really is. Now, before we talk any more NBA, talk to me about Ben Simmons. You're following yeah. this way more heavily than I am, so let, let's get it going. Sure. So where they're at now is – he had an epidural on his back. Is his back that bad? When was yeah, dude, when did he get a, hurt? I I don't know. It, it, Guy it hasn't, hasn't fucking hurt. played basketball in two years. One year, but yeah, it's been a herniated. <laughs> it's been a herniated disc. So I, I don't know if the Nets knew about it before the trade. I don't think it would have precluded them from making the trade, honestly, because they had to trade Harden. Harden wanted to go to Philly, so that was obviously the, the match there. But it went from him being like, oh, yeah, maybe he'll play in a month after he gets ramped up conditioning. The Nets are – they love to use that term. You know, we're going to ramp him up and return to conditioning and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, wait, what's going on with his back? To Wait, he's not even doing team drills to – oh, he's only doing one-on-one work to – wait, he just had an epidural on a herniated disc. That's a big deal, man. Those are those are brutal injuries, and they can be long, long. That's a nag. That's too. a nagging injury. 
Yeah, it is. Um, we've seen careers diminished because of herniated discs um, in every sport. So I don't know. They just finally officially ruled him out for the rest of the regular season and the play-in if they get through the play-in. So I he's think not playing final, this year, bro. I don't think he's playing this year. I don't think there's any way you could look at him and say, "Yeah, that's going to be a player for us." So you you put him on the back burner and and you carry out with the roster that you have. Joe Harris is done for the year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. yep. So you so you and the team is dealing with an ankle. You know, but he'll he'll be okay for the start of the playoffs, right? Yeah, they're kind of load managing him right now, but it's he said it's it's an injury that he needs a full month to recover to fully recover, and you know he he sits out a game or two. And well, they're plays, they're they're pretty so. much efficient. I, looking at the numbers now, with how many games are left, they're locked into at least making the play in tournament. Yes, yeah, so. they can't they can't drop out. So there's that. Um, I mean, so the team they got is the team they got. They're not going to be bringing on Joe Harris or, I mean, let's let's face facts. They're not going to be bringing on Ben Simmons. Um, since we last spoke, uh, Kyrie can now play home games, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So that's cool. Uh, and I guess you could say in a very elongated way, he got his way. Of course. <laughs> um, took long enough. It was a very dumb rule towards the end there, um, for sure. How do you feel about your netters going into the playoffs? KD still, I mean, he's putting up great numbers, but he still doesn't see him 100,000%. Kyrie Irving's got the ankle. Um, no, Kyrie's fine. It's Curry with the ankle. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me. Curry's got the ankle. Um, how do you feel about this team? And Kyrie, you know he's my favorite player, but... Like you said, maybe they should they should just he needs to be their bullpen ace. He needs to be their Araldus Chapman and come in come in when you're come in every couple games and shut it down. Put up sixty. Listen, man, I, I don't feel great. I, and if if you remember our last recording, I, I was not full of optimism and that was even no, thinking that like, wait, is Kyrie gonna be full time or not? Um there's things that you look for over the course of a season. You know, you need breaks to go your way. Um, there's certain levels of adversity you can face. And then all of a sudden, you know, you write the ship and you look great. You know, I kind of think of a team like Boston being the team that just, we were, we went from going like, Oh my God, their, their, their title window is closed to, wow, they're playing well. Like, look at them. Maybe they found themselves to, wow, this team's a fucking juggernaut. They have an identity and, this is a team that easily could win the East. The Nets have kind of done the opposite of that. And even early in the year when there was no Kyrie and it was just Harden and Durant, you know, they were winning a lot, but they were winning a lot of really close games against competition that wasn't all that good. And some of the supporting cast, like really, Marks did not have a very good offseason. You know, he traded for Javon Carter. He was out of the rotation, and then you had to trade him. Or actually, I think they just released him after the trade deadline. Now, DeAndre Bembry was gave them a nice spark for a little bit, and then he faded out because he's DeAndre Bembry, no knock on him, but, you know, that's that's a guy that's, that you signed kind of to a non-guaranteed deal. You've needed rookies like Cam Thomas to save you and bail you out during points of the season. Kessler Edwards, same thing. Durant suffers the injury. He's out for damn near two months. Harden doesn't want to be there anymore. He quits on the team. Kyrie is playing part-time 
then it's, you've had this whole New York City mandate looming over your head. Durant comes back, doesn't look 100%. Blake Griffin's not even in the rotation. James Johnson's playing real minutes. They waived him today. I mean, think of what I just laid out there. Does that sound like a team that realistically has a chance? <laughs> No, but then at the end of the day, you have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, so you, know, you got that shred. tantalizing thing, and this year... How's not, Dragic looked? Dragic has been good. I know he's, he's in protocol, but... Yeah, he's looked good. He's given them an actual stabilizing you know, backup point guard, because I don't think they want Patty to really have... And he was another guy. He, he went from unbelievable, you know, putting up some of the best shooting numbers in franchise history in the first 50 games... So this guy can't fucking buy a shot for a month and a half. He's so, still an important player, though. He is, and he is, and and the depth is fine. You know, Drummond helps. Seth is very, very good. Oh, I love Seth. And KD. But, yeah, man, I mean, I don't feel great. This team reminds me a lot of last year's Yankees, where when they play well, you can talk yourself into them. And that's why I was, like, in that abusive relationship, because you watch Cole <laughs> – fucking spin a gem and you say well no other team has Garrett Cole taking the mound and you see Rizzo hit some bombs and Judge and Stanton are hitting bombs all over Fenway Park and you're you know you sweep the Red Sox and you're like yeah you know for all the problems they've had this year this team is looking really good Mm -hmm. and then they go lose three or four to the Orioles (laughs) and the Nets you know it takes everything they can to beat the Rockets and no offense to your Knicks but the Knicks last night I mean those back-to-back nights Kyrie and KD played every minute of the second half to beat teams that are not anywhere sniffing the playoffs. So I don't know. I don't know if it's just that they're going to get up from competition. I don't know how you feel from being on the outside looking well, in. That me, Philly win is the only thing that I really hang my hat me on. Me personally, I, I think that they're – as the outside looking in, like you said, I think they're playing chicken a little bit. I think that whoever they play in the playing game, they are going to dominate and they are going to run through – all the way to face either the Bucks or the Heat in the in the conference finals, or maybe the Celtics. I don't know. One of those one of those three There's teams, no depending way on how you the. Can honestly, think that I I really do. I, I mean, listen. I, it depends on how healthy Kevin Durant looks, and I will tell you how I truly feel when that playing game is played. I think that they can still make the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Sixers are done. They're toast. I don't think the Raptors, the Bulls, or the Cavs are, like you like to say, battle-tested enough. So I think... And the Bulls are a sinking ship. Unfortunately. It was a, it was a hell of a run. And the Cavs, the ship has already sunk. Um, with, given the injuries to, you know, Mobley and, and, and a few of their other big men. Jared Allen. Jared Allen, yes. That's who I was trying to think uh, of right there. And Kevin and Kevin loves playing like a real minutes. That's not something you want to hear over the last three years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I think that on any given night they could beat any team, including the one seed Heat. Who I swear every week I flip flop on this team on whether or not I think they're good enough, on whether or not I think Jimmy Butler is going to storm his way out of town on another team and end up on my Knicks when I really don't want him. On, on whether or not Victor Oladipo is good and he's finally back. The only sure thing I have about the Heat is that Bam is one of the best defensive players and a great offensive player in this league. That's it. 
Okay, so let's talk about the top of the Eastern Conference right now because there's a lot of jockeying for position. Before we do real fast, I'll just ask you this quick question. Do you think teams are trying to avoid the Nets? And if so, are there only a few teams that are? Or do you think that all teams are like, I don't want the one or the two because if the if Brooklyn gets the seven, they're playing the two, and if they're the eight, they're playing the one? Fuck yeah, I think. I think honestly, I think – Actually, no. I, I'm looking at the standings now. I don't think. I don't think the Bucks give a shit who they play. They got that no. championship pedigree, and Giannis will play anybody at any time. Just call them. And Celtics. They, beat the Nets. they have the Nets number. Yeah, Celtics. I think that they're a very, very confident team at this time. Uh, Tatum's taken a major step forward. Brown's got to get himself a little bit healthier, and they obviously need Robert Williams back. But if there was any team that would be low key avoiding the Brooklyn Nets it's them with the Bucks only being one game separated actually I I think it's it's just a half game between them and the Celtics for the two seed and I don't think the Heat give a shit I think that team's too veteran filled uh, I don't think they care who they play they want to lock up the one seed and, and home court throughout I would agree with with that I think analysis. if anybody it's the Celtics I wouldn't be surprised um, we're at game 80 now. There's two games left. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a Celtics loss over the next two. And they're playing the Bucks today, by the way. And the Bucks are leading 36-29 to 29 in the second quarter. And then they and, play the Grizzlies. And Sunday. just to add to that, Tatum and Brown are not playing. Today. Exactly. So, yes, the Celtics clearly are trying to avoid the Nets, which, honestly, I understand. It's a, it's a first-year head coach. And... Even though this team with Tatum and Brown and Smart has been around for a while, they're still a predominantly young team. And the Williams injury kills him. Oh, I mean, I don't even know if he's going to be ready until the second round. And he, I mean, I liked him in the draft. I don't know if you remember back then out of Texas A&M. I loved him in the draft, but he's finally became the player that I thought he could be. No, and if I'm I'm not mistaken, I mean, he was – he was one of the best defensive players in the country. Uh, he was, and he's turned in school, into so. he's turned into probably I don't know a top three to five defensive big man in the league. He's awesome, but yeah. that's that's to your point. They know they're getting him back because at first it was like shit. We might have lost him for the year or two. It's about four to six weeks, which takes you pretty much through the first round, right? So if they can avoid Brooklyn. And get a more favorable matchup, win round one, and you get Williams back for round two, that's much more favorable to your chances of going deep into the Eastern Conference Finals than it is, you know, alternatively. Um, just talking about Miami real fast, I like how you I like how you said Jimmy Butler running himself out of yet another team and how you flip-flop every week because I don't know how you can't. This team, when they look good, are really good. Are they as explosive as a team like Brooklyn? No, but they win on defense, and they win kind of because of their, their savvy veterans, and they will themselves to wins. And obviously, Bam, like you mentioned, just one of the top defenders in the league. Do you have any confidence that you know even over the course of a series of what of what Miami team you're getting? No, not at all because, you know, Kyle Lowry's pretty old. He could be he could be hurt, he could be gassed. I don't know. Jimmy Butler could shoot 0 for 10 from the three-point line. Tyler Hero could have 40 in a game, but he could also have 3 points in a game. Um Bam is the uh, Bam is the only stable guy here. 
You could get a 30-point outburst off the bench from Victor Oladipo. He could also not check into the game for all I know. Duncan Robinson, same thing. He could get hot from three and play good defense. Or he could be is he or you could be asking yourself, is he even on the floor? They don't have two guys that are consistently at the level that they should be. And that's what worries me. I also have some trepidations about how much they rely on uh Cody Martin and Max Struess. <laughs> yeah, no I don't think they're... those guys, but they, no, play, they do play legit minutes. Yeah, they do, and I don't think that they're. I don't know. Uh, I don't think that they're good enough to be that important. How about that? Because I'm yeah, looking at their roster fair. right now, and Max Struess doesn't even have a picture. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even is, know what the guy looks like. Which isn't good when you're being compared to like how MLB like made all the players' pictures blank during the lockout. It's yeah. Like, oh, jeez. Um, I think the team I feel the most secure about, and you'll probably agree, is Milwaukee. I watched that Nets Bucks game that went into overtime. I'm just confident. I'm just week. confident that you know. Listen, they've had their hiccups, but we've seen them do it. We've seen them hold up the trophy, and I've seen it before. So I think that they can do it again. Yeah, and you can't. Giannis, you know, we talked about how Harden. You can't count him out. All his numbers are down. All of Giannis's numbers are up. He's automatic from the free throw line now. He he had a step back three to send the game against Brooklyn into overtime. Do we just have? Oh, here we go again. I know. I know. He won the MVP two years in a row. Do we have MVP fatigue over Giannis? Because, I mean, Embiid's yes. a great player. As is as is Jokic, who won last year. But, I mean, this guy is. He won the MVP. His team's the three seed, the reigning champion, and and. It doesn't seem like he's getting enough buzz. Which is a shame. And I, we do have uh, NBA or MVP fatigue. And it's a shame because he won those two when he honestly kind of – I know it's a regular season award. I get that. We all know that. But when he really came up short in the postseason, and it's a shame that he didn't win it last year, even though Jokic deserved it, when he ended up going on this magical finals run and championship run. And then this year where literally he, all his numbers are up, he's becoming an at least adequate three-point shooter. His jumper, I think he's shooting around 40%. And obviously he's a, he's money from free throws now, which was his Achilles heel. So, yeah, I mean, this guy is – I think he's the best – not the best basketball player in the world. That's Kevin Durant. But I think he's the one guy that you got to fear because he can beat you in so many different ways, particularly just his physicality alone. He's going to get you into foul trouble. No doubt about it. And now he's making those free throws, like you said, instead of just knocking your guy out due to foul trouble. You ready to talk about the Western Conference? Let's do it. All right. So I'll give you my opinion, and then you can you can give me yours off of that. Um, what I'm looking at here is it's, it's the Suns, and then there's maybe three or four teams that could face them in the Western Conference Finals. It would be one of the biggest disappointments ever for me personally because I'm rooting heavily for Chris Paul to get a ring and just in general for the NBA if the Suns do not make it to at the very least the Eastern Conference or excuse me the Western Conference Finals. Totally with you. Um, Laker fans would be feeling a lot better about their shortcomings and potentially Nets fans would be feeling a lot better about their shortcomings uh, if – if Phoenix doesn't get to the West final, because this team is a juggernaut. They can't be 63 and 17. They could end the year at 65 and 17. 
Yeah. Not even close. They're seven and a half games up on the on the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, who are the two seed. Um, they do everything well. They do everything right, with or without Chris Paul. Um, I don't know what's going to go on with Aiton, but while he's on this team, I love him. I love him a lot more than I guess they do and a lot of other people do. Um, well, I, I think just, they love him, but Robert Sarver's a cheap sack of shit, and he's not going to pay him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um he should not own a team. Now, we can wax poetic. We can talk about how great the Suns are. They're the best team in basketball. It's not even close. Um, Devin Booker has catapulted himself into first-team NBA talk, all-NBA talk. We'll, we'll give that out at the end of uh, the season for our individual awards. So we can. I think we can both establish that the Suns are going to at least the Western Conference Finals, right? <laughs> There's no way you can say otherwise. Yeah. So let's talk about who could potentially face them. I think the Grizzlies have a definite shot. This team, I wouldn't call them a juggernaut, uh, but they everybody does their job. Everybody knows their job. And the fact that they played so well without their by far best player in John Morant, I mean, Everybody on this team from the top to the bottom of their roster is a very good basketball player and could play on any other team in the NBA. Yes. And I think that they could give the Suns a real run for their money in the in the Western Conference Finals. And I think they're my bet to be the other end of that bracket. Um, the only other two teams I really can see making it to the Western Conference Finals are the three and the four. I think the way Luka's playing lately and ever since they got rid of Porzingis, I'm talking about the Dallas Mavericks, obviously, I think that they have a puncher's chance of making it to the finals. And then the Warriors, I think it, it really comes up to, in my opinion, if Steph Curry can can figure his way out of this for himself, for his version of how he plays basketball, a funk, uh, if Clay Thompson can get into a flow a little bit more, and if Draymond can continue to get healthy, because I think this team could possibly make the finals, if that's the case, just off of their battle-testedness. Boy, you love throwing that thing back in my face. If I had a rebuttal, if I if I had a one redo <laughs> of our podcast, I would go back four years ago when we started and not have used that term, especially trying to use it for Sunny Gray. I was but, I was gonna roast you for that, but you roasted yourself. Good job by you. Listen, <laughs> I, I pull the Eminem tactic. If I if I make fun of myself, you got nothing to say. Um, <laughs> there you go. But <laughs> listen, I you you also failed to mention real fast there with with Steph as he's been dealing with this with this injury now too. So yeah. how healthy is he going to be come playoff time? I'm out on the Warriors personally, and it's a shame. I I really you had him as a big pick, them. right? I did, I did. I had them being my representative from the West. But uh, I just I think a lot of bloom has come off the rose. I, I I don't love how they've been playing. Clay is not Clay of old, and I don't know if that's sufficient. Draymond's been in and out of the lineup. Steph's been in and out of the lineup, and like you said, he's been dealing with a little bit of shooting slump. Would I be shocked if they win a round or two? Of course not. It's the Warriors, but I'm I'm kind of over it. I don't think this is their year. I agree with you on Dallas. They've been playing great since the trade. Dinwiddie's made a couple huge shots for them. It seems like he's finally happy again and playing the role that he played in Brooklyn all those years um, alongside Luka, who's 
you know, if you if you strip the first month and a half of the season, he might be the MVP. Yeah, because um, he got his ass in shape and he's been unbelievable. Uh, what they did to Milwaukee um, the other day was was pretty amazing. Um, and then, to me, honestly, Memphis is still my pick to come out of the West. Wow, look at you! And it's not a knock on. It's not a knock on Phoenix. And I Phoenix can... is amazing, and I would love to see Chris Paul do it. But Tom, we we are not far removed from Chris Paul several times blowing leads. I know, I know. Securing series, he's that's kind of his scarlet letter. He doesn't win big games. Sean, let me let me tell you something. I have, uh-huh. I can, as far back as I can remember, I have never been so invested in a team winning winning the championship that wasn't a team that was my team. Right. I. I am rooting so ha- I I just I love Devin Booker. He's probably my second favorite player in the league behind your boy Kyrie Irving. And I love Aiton. I love I I love everyone on this team and I just want so badly. And I don't even know if I like Chris Paul that much, but I just like to see, you know, the greats get one event like I finally, like Wilt Chamberlain or any of these other guys where, you know, it's like when Gary Payton um won the uh won that championship in Miami. It's like, well, at least he got one, you know what I mean? And I get it. I I just I have not never rooted at least in the NBA for a team to to win the title that wasn't my own so badly. Totally hear you. I think, you know, you're you, that is very universally shared. I have nothing but love for Chris Paul as a player and what his legacy is. He's a top point guard all time although i've always hung to my debate that there's a lot of other point guards i would take over him if i need to win uh tony parker i would take over him if i need to win um i don't know why that's a hot take i'm not saying a better point guard but if i need to win a series i'm gonna go with the guy that always won series not a guy that always loses series with some of them not being his fault but some of them also really being his fault and i think the narrative on chris paul is a really interesting one if you want to just get into this real fast, he, we talk about 2018 with the hamstring injury in Houston. You know, does Golden State come back from 3-1 down if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt? We don't know. But what we do know is those Clipper teams, particularly in 2015, was probably the best team in the West. You had Blake Griffin playing at MVP level. You had DeAndre Jordan when his style of basketball was still really good. He had a really nice complement of players. And Chris Paul really shit the bed. You had his last year with the Clippers in 2017, losing a game seven at home to Joe Johnson. Yes, Joe Johnson's led Utah Jazz, scoring, I think, 11 points. He's been bad in a lot of big spots. I can't argue with you. You don't want to say, like, oh, well, he's a bum, because it's not true, because obviously then you turn around and say every single team he's gone to, he's catapulted them up the standings and has given them a chance. Is Devin Booker the player that he is now without Chris Paul? I don't think so. I think he's great, but he might be an empty stats guy. If I'm making a case for Chris Paul, I'm pointing to what he's done with the Suns and what he did with that one year with OKC. Totally with you. Totally with you. And I'm not even making the case for him because I'm, I'm in complete agreement when it comes to regular season versus, you know, nut crunching time in the playoffs. And it's not like he's a choker, you know. It's just that he's yeah. he's in this he's in this weird mix where it's like 
Yeah, I still trust you, but how much of that finals last year was on him? Because he also had, I think, what was it, a finger injury or something? A thumb injury that he was playing through? Yeah. And it's like, okay, and also Giannis went nuclear. So do we take away credit from Giannis? But you know what? The greats blame the greats also football? the greats also figure it out. I mean, I'm gonna put Giannis in that great category and the guy's knee almost fell off of his body, but he won. Know. You know? So. I know. No, you're right. So so that's that's the whole thing on Chris Paul. I I don't blame you for wanting him to win because I personally would love to just put him on that top 10 point guard of all time list without the caveat of like kind of the Dan Marino with no title. Yeah. Um, I want to say that obviously he won his title and it was in the twilight of his career and he's his longevity and his ability to make teams better is just so awesome. But Tom, just, I'm going to take Memphis because I think this is the deepest. I know how deep Phoenix is, but I think this team can come at you from so many different ways. I think Ja is, near that superstar level he's not a superstar yet but he's close you got desmond bain you got triple j they can defend you they can hit the three they could bully you around obviously uh stephen adams has been a real interior presence and he can give Aiton some trouble in a matchup dylan um, brooks I, I, I th- yeah dylan brooks who's back from injury this team is not afraid of anybody and i think they're a super well coached team too so i don't have a reason to turn off of them and the thing that probably pushes it over the edge for me bro i think they're 19 and 2 without jaw yep yeah no they 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 are a fully they are an absolutely complete team and that that's going to be a really fun western conference finals because those are by far the two most complete teams in the league this year and i think sometimes you have years where you know i remember the the year where the lakers uh, beat the Kings in the in the Western Conference Finals back in what was it 03? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it feels like the the NBA Finals or the you know the World Series or the Super Bowl was played in the championship game, you know in the yep. in the AFC whatever. Sometimes the round before that feels like the real championship, just how much of a battle it was. And I think it, we might we might be in for one of those years. Um, I mean, we've already seen it in two sports, dude. I mean. Late North Carolina Duke felt like the championship game. And yep. then obviously that, I mean, you could probably say in round two of the NFL playoffs that, um, that Chiefs Bills game was, yeah, felt like it felt like the best two teams playing. No doubt about it. Um, I think for the rest of the playoffs, I, I, the Nuggets would be another team up there for me if they had Porter or Murray or both. Um, but unfortunately, Jokic is doing all he can on his own. I think it's a great season, and I think he should. I think he should probably win MVP just based off the fact yeah. that they're forty-seven and thirty-three, and their second best player is a mixture of Aaron Gordon, um, Jamichael Green, and I, I don't know your boy, our boy, sorry, Jeff Green. Um, yeah. And that other guy, I forgot his name, but he's got a really cool nickname. What the fuck is his name? <laughs> I I forget. I have not watched any Denver. Oh, games Bones. This year. Bones. Love oh Bones. yeah, yeah. I fucking love yep. Bones. But, I've heard him mention. Don't know much about him, but yeah. Here's. Can I ask you about one team? You're gonna ask me Just about the Utah Jazz? No, fuck good because the Utah fuck Jazz the Utah fucking Utah suck. Jazz. And either Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, or both will not be on this team. And I don't know if you're gonna make me talk about the Knicks, but I'll make it short and sweet. Uh, let's fire Tibbs. Let's 
figure out what we're going to do with this roster, and let's go off, go after some unhappy superstars. It's time to go big game hunting. Donovan Mitchell's number one on my list. Zion Williamson's number two on my list. All right, go ahead. Beautiful. I, I think this is the summer to do that, and a lot of signs point to Donovan Mitchell requesting a trade and that trade. He's a Greenwich boy. I've start. already offered him. I've my, the spare bedroom is open. <laughs> you can do a dinner with uh, him, Michaela and soy. It'll be great. Yeah. It'll be a um, lot of fun. All right. This is my dark horse team. And I kind of like the buzz that's coming out of their camp. And I really like the way this team has been playing for a can long I guess? time. Can I guess? I think you have to get it. I think it's the Clippers. I think you're right. Absolutely. <laughs> is Kawhi coming really back all year? That's that's the that's the elephant in the room. I know Paul George has been playing with his hair on fire since he came back from his torn labrum, and he was balling before that, having yep. one of his best seasons. And their supporting cast—they've been really good. They found some diamonds in the rough during that crazy COVID time. Yeah, and also, Terrence Mann, and... not, yeah, and also, man. You know, Reggie Jackson's been good. Powell's back now. Luke Kennard is actually playing. You know, he's making plays and stuff. They're they're sneaky good. And if they get Kawhi back, I don't know when, but you got Paul George. This is a team that nobody wants to play. Not at all. No, I mean, this team is this team is that is that Oh, they also have Covington. I forgot about that. Um, this team is... Yeah, 10 threes in a game a couple weeks ago. Maybe given, a week ago. Given their current roster, this team is an eight seed that, like, back before the playing game was actually a thing. But if you were the Suns, you didn't want to see them because they're feisty. Imagine adding two top 10 players to that team, and it's like, oh, fuck. They're, they're feisty, and now they're actually, like, they can compete with us. I know. No, yeah, I, I I, I'm right to, there with I think you. Team to watch. I think. Uh, listen, if they if they can get through the playing games and Kawhi and PG can play, I don't know who they're going to play, whether it be Memphis or the Suns, but they could probably push them to to six or seven games. Agreed. Agreed. Totally. And, and Kawhi will be the worst kept secret, <laughs> no yeah. matter how badly he wants to be. You know, completely on the outside. Um, we're going to find out what he's doing here. You know, there was they saw him at practice the other day, and everybody went nuts, and rightfully mm. so because he's a true game changer. Like you said, top ten player in the league when healthy. No um, doubt about it. You mentioned real fast. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but because it is the last week of the regular season, figured I'd throw it in there. You kind of hinted Jokic is your MVP. Yeah, I, I just think is Jokic the best player in the league? No, I think that's a debate between Kevin Durant and Giannis Antetokounmpo at this time, but is Jokic the most important player to his team? I think if you remove Jokic from his team, they they are the worst of any of the other MVP candidates. Perfectly said. I don't have much to add. He's my MVP too. Embiid was there for a while. Uh Philly's fallen off a little bit. Um and like you said, what this Denver team they're nowhere close to the playoffs if Jokic isn't doing what he's doing. And, you know, the NBA is cyclical. We see a lot of guys win two MVPs in a row. I think Harden won two years in a row, and then Giannis won two years in a row. So now it's time to give uh, to give Jokic his second in a row. And next year, anybody betting on Jokic is an idiot because the NBA is going to find another one. Harden won two MVPs? I think so. I don't He definitely has one. No, he does have one. Didn't he win two? 
I don't know. I'll look it up while we talk baseball. Oh, actually, no, you're right. Because it was – you know what it was? It was um, Westbrook won in 17. Mm -hmm. And then Harden in 18. And then Giannis in 19 and 20. Yep. So, I forgot. That's just, again, how little respect I give Westbrook's MVP. Um, Let's (laughs) talk NFL real fast. Yeah, let's talk NFL real fast. Eagles and Saints swung a big trade with draft picks. Eagles are trading their 16th and 19th picks. Remember, they have three first-rounders. They had three first-rounders in this draft. 16 and 19 overall to the Saints for the the number 18 overall pick, a 2022 third round, and the um, a seventh-round pick, a 2023, and a first-round pick in 2023. So that signals to me that the Eagles are going to be open for business and trying to find a new quarterback after this season. Interesting. Does it say anything about the deepness of this draft, or are they just trying to move around and get more picks? I think they're trying to position themselves to have a lot of assets moving into the 2023 draft that's obviously going to have, at least for now, the top two quarterbacks in Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think it's you know, a, there's I other think ones, too. I think it's a good move because you know what? You buy yourself another year with Jalen Hurts, and you decide whether or not he's your quarterback – I like Jalen Hurts from a fantasy point of view, but I don't think he's a winning quarterback. Um, But you know what? If he turns out that way, then either you have all these assets or you can trade up and get, I don't know, a pass rusher or a really good skill position player or an offensive lineman. If not, you go out and get that quarterback. I think it's a really heady move by the Eagles. And in order to win that Super Bowl, they pretty much decimated their cap space and their their draft picks, and they've done a really good job rebuilding. They have, and it makes me sick. But the Saints also, good job by them getting two more picks in this draft. You know, they obviously are in cap hell, so they need to build from build from the draft. Yep. And now they have two picks instead of one. Um, so that's going to help them out a lot. Bruce Arians retired as head coach of Tampa Bay kind of out of nowhere. It seemed like he was ready to take on the next Tampa Bay regime, and then Brady comes back. and He's old, man. Sounds like. And yeah, he was hurt. You it, didn't you find it was kind of weird, though? Like, as soon as Brady comes back, he's like, ah, now I want out. But I I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think. I think it just has more to do with maybe his health took a, unfortunately took a, a turn that he didn't expect for the worst. I don't think it has anything to do with Brady. Although he seems to run a more free and fun time, and Brady is just a, you know, Belichick, basically. So yeah, maybe that weighed really on him. No, but I mean, I think they have respect for each other, but I guess they didn't get along and men and he's done. So we'll see who Tampa brings in there. Tom Brady's basically oh, they did already. Who did they hire? I'm sorry. They promoted your old boy, Todd Bowles. Congratulations to Todd Bowles. I always thought that he got a, the shit end of the stick with the Jets. Um, I'm excited for that. I'm curious what their offense is going to do, but that offense, when you got Tom Brady running, it basically runs itself. So he can focus on well, the defense, still, and that'll be exciting. And they've still got Byron Leftwich as their OC. Yeah, he should be a head coach yeah. somewhere, but that's for another pod on another day. There you go. Just some quick rumors from around the draft. We are officially three weeks from today is the first round of the NFL draft. So obviously we're getting Frenchie on. He is been texting me saying how much tape he's been watching he's oh got some favorite guys who are on the fringe of the draft maybe six seventh rounders undrafted free agents oh my God. i don't know if coffee's gonna do it i might have to get some adderall off the street yeah, i haven't had a script in a while the best. yeah you're gonna have to 
you know, fill your, fill your junky habits. Um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely, you know, deep in the weeds and, uh, the listeners will be able to decide how much they want to listen to it, but it's great information anyway. Um, it sounds like Carolina's hot for a quarterback at six and Kenny Pickett is the name that's really, we knew that was coming. We knew that was coming, right? I thought if it was a quarterback, it'd be Malik Willis. No, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett. I'm just saying we knew at some point these quarterbacks that towards the end of this college football season or even the beginning were projected to be late late first-round picks, early second-round picks would somehow find their way into the top ten. Oh, yeah. No, it's it was predictable as hell. I'm, I'm very interested to hear what Frenchie thinks about it because obviously Carolina's quarterback situation sucks. Darnold's not good. They've had to bring in Cam Newton last year. He wasn't very good. They had P.J. Walker playing quarterback, the old XFL quarterback. He was the best uh, one out of the three of them. Probably. So I don't know what they're going to do, but if they go pick it at six, that really, really, really makes my Giants sit pretty because they have five and seven. And it sounds like one of the top offensive tackles is going to be available if you're working at recent box. So if they go Evan Neal or Quanu at five – they're not going to have to worry about Carolina taking one of the stud defensive players, whether it be Sauce Gardner, if he's still on the board, or Hamilton, if he's still on the board, mm. or pass rusher. So the Giants could be sitting pretty, but there's also a lot of rumors that the Giants are trying to trade one of those picks to get more for next year. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, for the first time in a long time, I have trust that the Giants are going to do the right thing because I they actually too. have competency in their front office. And, Tom, how about for your Jets? Do you have 4-10? and 10? Is there a certain direction you want to see them go? We'll obviously get into more of Frenchie, but as Absolutely. of right now, where do you want to go? I want to get saucy with number four. Mm-hmm. I want to get saucy with number four. The guy didn't give up a fucking touchdown in his college career, and they played some real teams at Cincinnati. Um Definitely want to get that shutdown corner. That's a guy that you make a pick. Everybody likes this Hamilton guy out of Notre Dame, including myself. He was he was my Kyle Pitts of last year. I was saying his name two years early, saying this guy's pretty fucking good. I don't know if you remember it on the pod. Oh, I do. Um, but again, we did it with Jamal Adams. Safety is a sexy position. You don't draft that when you're rebuilding a team. You draft that when you're one or two pieces away. I don't want well, a safety. You also don't draft it if you don't plan to re-sign that player to top money in four years. Yes. The Jets got bailed out by the Seattle Seahawks, a la why they have the number 10 pick this year. I want to get saucy. And then listen, I know I saw across Bleacher Report yesterday that the Jets denied that they were trying to trade the 10th pick for DK Metcalf, but... That's bullshit. They definitely are trying to go out and get a, a stud wide receiver because they were deep, deep, deep in the Tyreek Hill sweepstakes as well. And if the Jets can go out and get themselves a DK Metcalf, I would do that trade for the second draft pick in a heartbeat, given the Seattle Seahawks their pick back, whatever, because I like the, I like the offensive weapons that the Jets have to give Zach Wilson. I, I like um, Michael Carter as a running back. I like Elijah Moore. I, I like even like Corey Davis, but those guys are all number twos. I want Barrios. a bona fide guy. Yeah, Barrios is cool too. Nice Swiss Army knife, but I, we need a bona fide guy because I want to see what we have with Zach Wilson. 
And if you can go out and get a DK Metcalf, who's an absolute stud, deep ball threat, a guy that can catch the ball in traffic, he can pretty much do it all, and he's a good-looking guy. He's got a great body on him too, Sean. I know you've seen <laughs> pictures of him with his shirt off. The guy benches fucking, you know, 405 for reps. He never wears a shirt. It's impossible to not see him. Exactly. I, and I think he'd be great for the Jets. I think he'd be great for Zach Wilson, and, and I think Zach Wilson might actually have a hard time overthrowing him as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, if they don't end up trading for Metcalf, do you want to see them go receiver at 10? I no. Mean, you've got the two Ohio State guys and I you've mean, got Drake London. I think, I think the two Ohio State guys might be off the board by then, although there might be one. If the, one of the two Ohio State guys or the USC guy is still there, possibly. But I would also – the Jets – Sean, can you even name the last good pass rusher the Jets have had? I mean, they've had very good defensive linemen – from Mo Wilkerson to Sheldon Richardson to Leonard Williams to, you know, the new guy uh, Williams out of Alabama. But they haven't had a good defensive end probably ever. Well, let me ask you this question. I, I get the pass rush is very important, and we see how much of a role it plays on teams that win. But if Aiden Hutchinson's gone, which he will be, and yeah. if Thibodeau is gone, which he very well might be because one through nine, that's a lot of opportunity for him to go. If he's not there at 10, the Frenchie's going to talk about more top pass rushers that he really likes. There's the other kid from Michigan who wind up on the other side of, of Hutchinson. But, Tom, you need – you just said about Metcalf, you need to see what you've got out of Zach Wilson. If one of these top receivers is available, you, I think you have to go that route. I mean, if they're or bone – the pick and I have one. to hear – I listen, I've watched a little bit of YouTube on him. One, i got to hear what Frenchie says. If these are bona fide Jamar, Chase, you know, name another well, – none of them are that. Chase was the best wide receiver prospect in – a long time. Well, I'm, what I'm saying is if these are bona fide, like, okay, exclude Jamar Chase, but it's CeeDee Lamb, um, Justin Jefferson, you name a couple of guys from the recent draft. If these are bona fide number one wide receivers, fine. But if these are guys where it's like, eh, maybe they could be a number one wide receiver if they have a lot of support around them or whatever, then then I think we should either go defensive end or if there's no if there's no defensive ends, there's offensive line left. If there's no offensive line left, there's defensive ends left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I I do. I think you build from you build from the inside on offense and defense. That's more important. And I think that un, unless those guys are bona fide, can't miss. These guys are number ones. Then we're uh, we're not wasting a first round draft pick on that. I think they all project to be not as much Olave, but the other I'm blank on his name, the other um, Ohio State receiver, and then Drake London, the one out of USC. He projects. I know there's been a lot of CD Lamb comps with him, and I, I mean, listen, I just know what the conversation around the Jets is going to be. I mean, maybe if you Wilson can get has a bad year. Maybe you can get that guy out of Alabama in the second round. Jameson Williams. Yeah, I mean he's no, he's a first round pick. What Even with the ACL, he'll be a first round pick. You yeah. think so? Yeah, he would have been. He would have been one. He would have been one of the top two receivers taken this year if he wasn't hurt. He was ahead of Olave all year. No, I know he was, but then he got hurt. So I was curious where he's projected and where he's going to end up. 
Yeah, he'll probably be in the teens or in the you know early twenties. That's where most mocks happen that I've seen. I mean, listen, if there's a bona fide guy left on the board and we're going to have to talk to Frenchie about that, I'm all for it. But if there's a guy where, where he's a maybe, no, nah, we, we got we to gotta button up a lot of other things. No, I hear you. I think it's just, you know, the most important position is the quarterback and you're going into year two. And I agree. The whole knock on Darnold was, you know, you never really gave him weapons and all that. And I could just hear the conversation during the football season. If Elijah Moore is his best option and Barrios, and he's got kind of the same cast of characters and, you know, your boy, uh, Corey Davis is hurt again. And it's like, man, this guy just doesn't have anything. And you win four games. It's like, but can we really judge him? And it's, I agree. And you're, you're slowly talking me into it. It's really just my number one is you trade that pick for DK Metcalf. That's my one, a one B and one C. Of course. No, I, that's that's the right move if it's if it's available to you. Um, and I don't I think Tyree Kill is a is a terrible human being, but let me tell you when that those rumors were flowing, if that I would have called you would have been the first person I called had they made that trade. Oh, I know. I was I was pulling for you guys. It, <laughs> it sounded from all indications that the Jets gave the best offer. He just didn't want to play with the Jets. He wanted to go to Miami. All the more reason why I think he's a fucking terrible human being. There you go. That was the cherry on top. Um, we'll talk, obviously, extensively NFL draft with Frenchie. We will get him on soon. Uh, but, Tom, today was officially MLB opening day. The Yankees and Red Sox, Red Sox got rained out, so they're going to play tomorrow. But Are the Mets playing? Think, I know they got pushed playing, to seven. They're playing right now. Yeah, because wow. it's 8.30 your time. No Jacob deGrom, which we're going to lead with because have to. this is a huge story. This guy was on the arc of potentially the greatest or one of the three greatest years of any pitcher ever last year before he got hurt. And now you've got this one-two punch of him and Scherzer. and Don't forget about Bassett. And and, uh, listen, Bassett's not in that category. No, of course not. But he's good. But I was just going to say, those two at the top of your rotation, you know, each of them is going to win, you know, 18 to 22 games. And now you've got this stress reaction in his scapula, Tom. That's a br- that's a brutal injury. How do you even, even two months at least? Like when I read that in your notes, I knew I heard he was hurt, but I didn't really look too much into it. I should because you know I'm a closet Mets fan. Um, of course. I mean scapula like that. I feel like that's like a nursing home injury. No, well, a scapula, you know, is terms of controlling the torque. And the velocity of throwing a baseball is critical to your entire shoulder. It's not the rotator cuff or the labrum, but damn, it's like pretty much think of the strength that you get from your shoulder blade and how strong and mobile that has to be. And he has a stress reaction in that. So he's so, not throwing so a baseball. So this says two months. Time. We're talking more like four months. He's not picking up a ball for four weeks. That's he has to start from what a fucking brutal hit. Thank God they have Mad Max. Yes, and they do have rotation depth. I mean, you mentioned Bassett. I'm not forgetting. To John Walker really made the good. all-star team last year. Yep. You've got uh, McGill who's starting today. Lugo can jump into that starting rotation if they need him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually do have some depth, but... 
brutal injury, and it just sucks for it sucks for the New York teams. Obviously, you know because of your cause at Mets fandom, but also with uh, even though I'm down here, you know how much sports New York sports radio I consume. Absolutely, and uh, John Jastrzemski's pod. Thank God for podcasts uh, for you, bro. Absolutely, man. I don't know what I'd do without it. So I want the Mets to be great. I want to see the Mets be a, a contender for a championship, and not only that. Jacob DeGrom is must watch every time he pitches. Like if the Yankees aren't on or I can get the Met game and the Yankees played earlier that day and it's a DeGrom day, MLB.com or MLB.tv, I'm going right on to the Met game. No question asked. No doubt about it. This Mets team is still pretty stacked. They built a really good team, so I'm interested to see it. We're going to talk about it more in our MLB preview over the weekend, but the one thing I will say is – uh, thank God they have Max. Absolutely. And they got to be careful with him. You know, his arm, he had that dead arm towards the end of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's obviously got a lot of wear and tear on him. So they, they've got to be careful. And I, and I guess the question I would ask you about DeGrom is, is this a guy who you look at and say he can reinvent himself? And let me just go into that a little bit quicker before you give your answer is, you know, he throws 101. He throws a 93-94 slider, a 90 changeup. It's max effort every time he throws, right? And you've seen enough pitchers over the years to, to see the guys that exert max effort every time they throw a baseball and the guys who look like they're just effortlessly pumping gas. Is this a guy who can tone it down a little bit, or do you think this is just who he is and injuries are going to play, play out? I think he is a guy. I, I think, listen, it's going to be another three four, three years before he tones it down a bit unless the injuries continue to mount. But I think he's the consummate guy that can um, tone it down a little bit. Reason being is, one, he's incredibly accurate. He can, you know, spot it anywhere he wants. He can paint the corners. And two... When he won Rookie of the Year, and I don't know if you remember earlier on, uh, I don't remember if that was in you know the early 2010s or whatever, this guy was not a power pitcher. He was topping off at 94-95. He changed his pitching style to give him a lot more velocity, and that catapulted him from you know, being stuck behind Noah Syndergaard and, uh, and uh, Matt Harvey to being one of the greatest pitchers ever because he's throwing 100 with that same control and great off-speed pitches. But at the beginning of his career, he won Rookie of the Year throwing 94, 92 to 94. Yep. So I do think he can take that stress off of his body towards the latter years of his career and kind of double reinvent himself or uninvent himself, I guess, if you will. It's fascinating because it's literally going to be, you know, if you think you're at the top of your game and the only thing stopping you is injury, and you don't think the injury is related to the way in which you throw, are you going to change that mentality? You know, you see guys who reinvent themselves. It's simply because they don't throw the ball the way they used to. Mm-hmm. CC doesn't throw 96 anymore. He threw 92, 91. So he's one of the most recent guys. Can you change that mentality? I think that's a, that's going to be an interesting question. But, man, I hope he gets back. And, and hey, if you can say around June that you're, quote-unquote, acquiring a healthy Jacob DeGrom, man, is that going to be huge for your New York Mets? Um, still no extension with Aaron Judge. It sounds like tomorrow is the deadline because of opening day. It got pushed back a day due to the rain out. Do they get this thing done? All reports are they've been talking all day. 
Uh, yeah, I think they get it done. And it might be much to our chagrin, as they say, because I don't know if I want them to re-sign him, but I think it's something that has to be done, and I do think they get it done. I think you have to do it. I don't even think it's a question, to be honest. No. The only way that it wouldn't have had to be done is if this offseason went much differently. I think you have to do it anyway. Um, but, yeah, to that point, you know, you've got to do something to appease the fan base. That We talked about it a little bit after the trades, and we'll go more deep into it during our preview. But the team did get better. I don't know how much better, but it did get better this offseason. Yeah. You replaced some bad some bad you know, Juju with uh, with Sanchez, and you bring in Donaldson, and Connor Falefa can play. But this is this is the guy, Tom. Where if you look back on the history of the Yankees, they never lose guys like this. Nope. And I know the injuries were a concern for a few years. Some of them were really, you know, finicky injuries. But how can you say we're going to let Aaron Judge go? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. I'm, and I can't wait for the beginning of the season. I want to see how how limber. The two big boys are. I want to see if they've been on their yoga regimen, their naked yoga regimen that I've been texting them about. Goat yoga. Goat yoga, a little bit of that too. Um, I, I, listen, I, I think I think the, the key to this season, honestly, in my opinion, because I, I think there's no doubt in my mind DJ's going to turn it around, the key player to determine whether or not we're a wild card team that loses in that wild card game or we're a division winner and possibly a World Series contender is Glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. If he can go, if he can turn back the clock to what two two years ago, Glaber, I think 2019. Yeah, yeah, I think we're in the money. Um, but if he can't do that, and you start to hear that, uh, I don't know, they're gonna have to they, uh, whatever. Ian I IKF is is playing more playing more shortstop every single day, or or they're thinking about putting Marwin Gonzalez there because he was a former shortstop or whatever. It's not going to be a fun year, my friend. No, at second base, that's where Glaber has always had success, and the Yankees have made sure that that is the position he's playing. So we'll see. They need they need twenty five bombs. They need two eighty to two ninety, and they yeah. need you know seventy five RBIs from him. And that's that's what that's what he should be every year. Write it down. Um, I need I need I DJ this year to hit. I'm going to put his floor batting average-wise, and we're going to talk more about this um, on our preview this weekend. His floor is three – I'm going to say 317 to me this year. Ooh, that's high. <laughs> uh, well, I, I want to win I a fucking championship, say, bro, and I need, I, agree, I need Luis Severino to pitch at least 14 starts this year. Well, let's let's save some of this for the for the I'm sorry. because there's a lot that can go into it. No, you're excited, as am I. Uh, but there's a lot to go over with the Yankees because you're right. There is a lot that can go a certain way that makes them a wild card fringe fringe playoff team, like this past year, or they could be one of the best teams in the league. Um, so we'll see. Uh, just the last few book notes here. Um, Guardians, remember that's the old Cleveland Indians. So get used to seeing that. They uh, they locked up Jose Ramirez to a five-year, $124 million extension. My first reaction was, wow, that's it? What were your thoughts to that? That's a great deal for the Guardians, and, and Jose Ramirez is one of their best players. Absolutely. I mean, this is a guy who the last couple of years, I believe he finished second in the MVP race one year. Uh, head-scratcher for me, why he took that little of a deal. Also, the Padres were um, – very close to acquiring him from what I read. Uh, another head scratcher for me was 
why the fuck the Yankees weren't making calls on this guy and you trade for Josh Donaldson instead? You mean to tell me that if they were just trying to get rid of this guy that you couldn't have given up Gary Sanchez and some fucking prospects for a player that's 10 times better at this point than Josh Donaldson? Obviously, I have to tie it back into the Yankees. Um, And I also was a little... It's weird that they kept him because I thought they were going to trade him because they seemed to be in full rebuild mode. So that's that's my piece. No, it's a good good take obviously i think they had to you know it's so blatant when you see what a team like oakland did that you just you have to give something to your fans and say listen we're not going to trade our best player we understand we're going through a rebuild we didn't manifest in a championship but this guy's still one of the best players in baseball we are not giving him away and we want to keep him and that's a reason to go out to uh progressive field or whatever the fuck it's called now um the Padres did acquire Sean Manea. His name was out there for a long time. They also Brian traded uh, Yankees. Where were you? <laughs> they also traded Chris, uh, whatever his name is, the former like number one prospect. Oh, Chris Paddock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chris Paddock went to Minnesota for Taylor Rogers, which was an interesting trade. I think both guys are pretty good pitchers when they're on. But um, but yeah, Sean Manea goes goes to San Diego, and dude, this <laughs> this rotation is stupid. You've got Manea in no particular order. You got Manea. You've got Darvish. Uh, Musgrove, Darvish, obviously Snell. Like this team is ridiculous. So I and they just pulled up their uh, their twenty one year old shortstop superstar, C.J. Abrams. Yep. Yep, and uh, he might. St- you think he starts at shortstop? I, I certainly would think so. Yeah, I mean, what's his face is out riding around on his motorcycle, not playing games now. Yeah, Tatis is out for for a little bit now, but yeah, really good deal for for San Diego, and obviously I'll tell you the fire what. sale continued. If if this kid, twenty one year old, performs well at shortstop, they were already talking about moving Tatis to the outfield. He may never play shortstop for this team consistently again. Hmm, it's an interesting take and not a bad one. Um, and then I, another trade that I thought was pretty interesting was. The Tigers acquire Austin Meadows from Tampa. You know, just a player who Tampa just wasn't going to be able to give regular at-bats to. They have so many good players. and They're calling up one of their top prospects in the low. So he was to be had. And, and the Tigers have had a sneaky good offseason. Absolutely. Well, you know, Baez, you wonder where he's going to be. But they bring in Eduardo Rodriguez. I think I like Meadows, Baez. And they've got a lot of good young players, too. I like Baez better than you do. I think he's going to have a sneaky good year, um, but I like this move for for Detroit. Uh, I think Meadows is Meadows is a guy that can get you thirty bombs, and he's going to play a, a a good to very good outfield. He's got a great arm. I will tell you this too: the Yankees have caught some breaks with some recent trades because Grichik was moved out to to Colorado. Meadows. Is oh, the now Yankee in killers. <laughs> The Yankee Killers are are some of them are finally out of the AL East, thank God. Um, because every time they came up, I was like, "Yep, this is not gonna this is not gonna end well." So, good riddance. Baseball is here, Tom. We didn't think we were gonna get there, and we only missed a week. I'm 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 happy, and I like it starting at this time. I I like the week extra. Me too. It was so much like when you started around the final four. My, my head was swirling. Game. Yeah, like you're starting to right around, right with the Masters. It's synced up. It's great. Uh, I'm all for it. 
Um, and I saw, I did see that the weather is going to be much nicer up your way now. Um, yeah, it's going to be 65 tomorrow. So gorgeous. The Yankees will Dude, definitely it hit 98 play. 98 here the other day. It was insane. Yeah, I got to move. We got to move. I was, I was, I felt terrible. I was like, this is ridiculous how hot it is. Um, but anyway, dude, so what else has been going on? Not much, man. Took a trip to North Carolina. Had a lot of fun yeah, down there. The it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. We played four rounds of golf in uh, basically three days. Um, went to Duke University. Partied down in Raleigh a little bit. That was a lot of fun. Hit up the Outer Banks. We drove all over the world. Didn't have a second to breathe, really, but we did watch some tourney games. It was a lot of fun with the boys. Um, Tobacco Road oh, yeah. took my soul. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that course was tough. The rest of the courses were very nice. And honestly, playing golf out of, out of the area just makes you realize how bullshit expensive even like a shit golf course is around here just because people are, I don't know, I guess I guess because it's Westchester County and, and they think that you know, even the public courses think that they can charge $85 for a shit course. Meanwhile, I go down there and I say to my friends, this course is probably nicer than 90% of the courses we played and we played and we paid $60 on a weekend to play it. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. So a lot of fun. What have you been up to? I know you're headed up to Jersey soon. Yeah. I got a wedding in New Jersey in two weeks. So uh friend caitlin she got married last year but obviously didn't have the whole reception and party so got pushed to this year so heading up that way um one of my good friends for a long time and is friends with a lot of the people that i'm friends with down here so we'll all be making that trip together which will be a good time uh but it'll be a quick turnaround literally like friday and then back sunday so um looking forward to that which should be fun and then moving in the next couple weeks so there you go that. um and i did start the winning time series on oh, hbo isn't Max. it great i just got through the first episode but this will not be like a peaky blinders thing i will get through all the episodes because that first one was fucking awesome how far are you with it i'm all caught up i've oh, watched everything yeah. i'm watching that as it goes it's awesome yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's a super well done series. Uh, it's one of my favorites out right now. So, your boy is committing himself Congrats. to the Masters and to a series. So I'm very proud of you for making those picks. So your guys, we know my guys, but your guys are Scotty and Patrick, not That's Reed right. Cantlay. Listen, I'm not. <laughs> You'll never pick Reed. I'm not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Uh, so yeah, man, other than that, everything is good. So looking forward to doing this MLB preview with you this weekend, um, doing a deep dive into baseball, which we didn't talk about for months. Um, and yeah, just to have that back, it's, we're in the sweet spot right now, bro. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm super hyped. A lot of fun sports. The weather's starting to get nice down here. Uh, you're bitching about 98. I, I tell you to shut the fuck up to that. Um, no, it was too hot. It was too hot for a quick turnaround. Like we're back into the seventies and eighties every day now, but that was insane. Like that was because it was like in the sixties before that. Uh, yeah, well, I don't really feel bad for you because then it goes right back <laughs> to perfect weather for eight, nine, ten months out of the year. Um, That's right. So yeah, we're the weather's starting to come around here slowly but surely. So I'm just uh, just enjoying it and looking forward to talking to you this weekend to talk to really get into it with baseball. Looking forward to it, man. Let's do our research. Let's knock it out. 
And then, uh, you know, obviously Will not welcome on the pod. He's banned for a little bit until he calms down. Will's right. always welcome on the pod, but yeah, he's he's um, he's suspended for no reason. <laughs> he's am, suspended, so you don't. Have I'm to sanctioning deal with him. I think that's fair. Well, we started the pod with you yelling at me about the time, <laughs> even though I was right. Um, you were I right. I'll admit when I'm I wrong, you were right. But I'm still gonna yell. State, yeah, and I didn't state it the way you wanted, so. Uh, We'll get the secretary on that and start making sure that all podcasts are defined as Eastern Standard Time. Appreciate that. That's how I want to be spoken to from now on. There is only one time zone in my eyes. Yeah, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> um, anyway, bro, great talking to you. Everybody, do uh, you know? enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the sports. And we will be talking to you this weekend for our MLB preview. Go Tiger, baby. Go Tiger. Win it for us. Go Tiger. Go Tiger.